it, it's a cool record, but it's like it's pretty. It, it's not one to like gloat about by any means. But he delivered a 21 week old baby, and uh-huh. and it survived. He's he's so he's on record the youngest perinatal to he delivered. He's his he's a perinatal and he delivered the youngest baby ever. That baby survived and is a fucking like Alex Holland type ma- maniac. You know that free climber, free yeah, solo yeah. guy. Like, yeah, the Honnell. kid is just Alex Honnold. Bananas. It'd be interesting. I wonder if there's ever been any studies done on you know kids that were born like mm-hmm. that, either pre you know premature yeah. or you know that experience yeah. difficulties maybe for the first year, two years of their life. What eventually becomes of them? Like what yeah. they achieve mentally? In life? Are they actually different? It would you be know what I mean? that would be interesting to see. I've never thought about that. He swears by it though, because there's no like concrete data, obviously, because then you know the family you're born into, the parenting style, all that stuff. He he was we were talking about it with him. It's, it'd be really hard to get like concrete data on it. Yeah, because so he's been doing it for also thirty envir- environmental years. as well. Yeah. But yeah, it would be really interesting to see if and there's he, some sort of he correlation. He swears by his thirty years of delivering NICU babies. There's just something different. Hmm. That's wild. I never thought about that. Yeah, that's pretty it's cool crazy. to see him out ripping though. Turtle, Dude, it's so fun. <laughs> It's so fun. Is he now that he's... Crazy. Oh, we're not talking about it. No, it's fine. Oh. That's fine. It don't matter. Does he know he's, he's having coming. a... Yeah. He does? Oh, he's Is pumped. he excited? He's so pumped. <laughs> Dad, Dad, I got to... Sh- he thinks he's a full-grown kid, right? I got to show the baby how to... I got to show him how to swim. I got to show the baby how, how to turn the TV on because all the little stuff that he knows how to do. I yeah, got to show him how to start the four-wheeler. That's four so wheeler. cool. I'm like, bro, you've got like eight years before you're going to be showing this baby what to do. He's four? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just turned four. Two all our ago. kids are four years apart as well. So it's... I'm, I like the age gap. The age gap will be awesome. I go, I, like I go both ways. So like there's times when they're just far enough apart that they're like completely into different things. There's like an age period from like when they're little that it's great. Cause there's mm-hmm. still, you know, the big brother can kind of, you know, help the little brother kind of learn and stuff. But there's like an age gap where one gets to be like a teenager and adolescent yeah. and the other one's still, you know, a child. And there's like, I'm into this and you're into this. And like, there's kind of this divide that separates, but it's yeah. been really, they do come back together. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Like I can see it right now with my middle kid and my oldest kid. Like they are kind of, you know, there's this like bond kind of recreating between yeah. the two of them. And then. Like my oldest is eight, he'll be 18 in June and my youngest is 10. And like, there's kind of a bond there. Cause it's like the big, big brother and the little brother, the little yeah. brother really looks up to the big brother. And like, there's these coaching moments and stuff. It's, it's kind of nice. It's awesome. I know that's really cool. I can't wait for that. Yeah. That's, do you, are you going to find out if it's boy or girl? Two weeks. Yeah. Oh, you do. You're going to find out. Mm-hmm. Did you find out? I term? can't wait, man. We have a, we have a, <laughs> we have a, so a couple of our friends right now. They're, they're, I think four weeks away from delivery and they're waiting. Um, they don't I know. can't do that. So I like can't do that. born baby boy or girl. Yeah. I can't well, yeah, I couldn't either. I'm not a good enough we, we person found to out. do that. I'm too I'm too amped up to yeah. figure it what out. What about you, Brady? Kids? <laughs> no, no, but uh <laughs> I got some similar news. My brother, he uh he's having a kid. Oh really? wow. Yeah. Him and his wife. Good for him. They Does he know what it is yet? No. Uh-uh. You're gonna be an uncle. I'm gonna be an uncle. I, an I uncle already kid. told him I'm gonna be that fun uncle that the only that they only see very <laughs> not a funny uncle that the kid only sees very often, but loves to hang out with me more than like yeah. anyone else because I'm that you know that guy that's going to do from cool Vegas shit with him. Yeah. Yeah. Let him shoot guns and do fun but, stuff. But it's kind of difficult for him because I think the kid's gonna be born middle October, so it's yeah. right around when we're planning on doing some deer hunts together. So Ooh. he's trying to figure out how he can do that. Yeah. And didn't you help him plan that a little better? I should have. Yeah, I should you know have. what you know. You what? don't have kids during the fall, man. That's like a big no-no. Yeah. When's yours? Do you know when you're due? Yeah. When? September. 
No. <laughs> when? November 11th. Oh, man. That's not too bad. My birthday. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That'd be crazy. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. wild. That's why I always tell them, I'm like, I always gave people shit for having kids during hunting season. I'm like, you know, there's like a math equation, right? Like you can, <laughs> yeah, pl- you literally can plan. Yeah. Well, you know, when it's not easy and becomes. But it worked know, out for you pretty well, right? Like, it, well, yeah, it worked out. But I'm, I mean, shit, I'm still having a kid in hunting season. Yeah. Which is so, but like, since and I'm the one that was always giving people shit. But like, man, when it's not going your way, you just kind of take it when you, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I say that loosely. I mean, the yeah. grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter, but. If you can, <laughs> I, I swore by I swore by planning my marriage, my first kid. But I mean, I think, I just, it, was, it, was, it took a while, man. A long I think, time. I think my dad must have planned that out because both my brothers January and then my other brothers in February, and I'm in June. Yeah, great planning on his part. Yeah, That's I've, prob- fantastic. I've probably told this story before, but my sister, my older my older sister, she's just older than I am, maybe five years, I think. But my dad was actually elk hunting when my mom went into labor. And my uh, my uncle, they sent him out to find my dad. This was back before cell phones. He just had like a loose idea of where he would be, like where he would be camped. And so he loaded up all his gear, full camo, everything. He went out and ran into my dad and was like, "Hey, by the way, your wife's in labor." But she was already born. My sister was my my, <laughs> my sister was born by the time my my dad Holy got shit. there. So he yeah he was out hunting elk with a, with a bow. So that's a cool awesome. story. Yeah, ha- happens I guess, huh? That's awesome. I yeah. love it. I love that he went hunting when it was that close. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It. I don't know for a fact, like if she was, uh, you know, like earlier scheduled. But I mean, she had to be within a couple of weeks. I was. Yeah. <laughs> Did he get a little, talk- <laughs> he get a little talking to later? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my my dad used to take ten days every fall, and that was like his ten days. Like he would mm. disappear for ten days, and he would go elk hunting, archery elk hunting, and yeah, he was he was hunting when my sister was born. Do you think, like back in those days, with no cell phones, no in reaches? There's got to be a deeper level of those 10 days that he had compared yeah. to what we, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, uh, he talks, he said that, um, he did that for years and years when I was a kid and I remember, it, uh, but he said for him, like he had a moment where he had like a wasp, like a wasp nest and like a bunch of them got in his shirt and they were just like stinging, stinging the hell out of him. And he, uh, had a moment like, what if, you know, what if I went into anaphylactic shock or like, what yeah. if I had an issue out here, you know? And, and that was kind of like the point for him where he was like, uh, maybe I need to rein this in and like rethink about my priorities in life. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, back before, back before cell phones and in reaches and all the devices that we've all got, it probably was, it was definitely a, a more significant thought you would have had to work through in your head. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And just that, that deeper connection of being out there, because even yeah. like for us now, yeah, we can get away and go on those backcountry hunts, but there's still that level of like that feeling of responsibility because you can stay in touch now. And so it's almost expected, you know? Yeah. I mean? He was gone, gone. Yeah. And in yeah. just no worries, no, no nothing like yeah. truly gone. I mean, when, when I'm out there, like I'm still sending texts to my wife, I'm good. You yeah. Know, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You can still keep you know, in touch. This happened today. Just keep it in touch. Right. You it's always have an SOS like button if you need yeah, it. It's not that full separation. I remember back in the day, since we all grew up without cell phones for quite a while, like when I was trapping in Minnesota when I was 10 years old, I was on the lake with by the, yourself, by myself with a push pole. Cause my dad wouldn't let me have a, have a motor on the What's boat a at push first. Pole? <laughs> Just a big, like, you know, 12, 14 foot pole with little like duck feet thing at the end. Push off the bottom. So you can push off the bottom. You mean like a boat? Is that what you're talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. A little flat bottom John <laughs> flat bottom boat. boat. <laughs> flat bottom John boat with the push, with the push pole. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he wouldn't let me have a motor on at first. He's like, you got to learn to navigate waterways without having a motor because you need to learn some skills at first before yeah. I want to put a motor That's on a good there. dad right there. 
So like I would go out in the mornings, like so you have to do do justice. You have to check your traps in the morning and after school. Like you don't want this animal in mm-hmm. the trap for longer. So I have to go out there. I'm just navigating the lake. But are you trapping muskrats? Trapping muskrats and mink. So like doing all that stuff, and it's like there's I'm 10 years old and I'm on a lake by myself before you know anything I have to do in the morning. And then as I progress, you know, then I have to get ready for school and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But like the life lessons you learn when you're out there and you don't have any means of communication. So any problems you deal with, you have to deal with them yourself, which is freaking cool to think That's about, awesome. you know, like being out there that young on a lake trapping muskrats yeah. without any communication. Like That's so if you can awesome. go back to that, I would do that in a heartbeat. That's where I feel, I feel guilty with my son. I would love for him to be raised like that, but obviously just, you know, in Vegas, it's yeah, not lost, really an option. Lost, mm-hmm. lost art largely. Yeah. I would love for, to for raise most people, my son I would like say. that. It's so cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I remember when I worked, we're just storytelling now, but um, we'll get to the heart of the discussion here in a minute. But <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I remember when I first went to work for the Forest Service and I was working around like a lot of heavy equipment, you know, like, D, you know, D10 cats, mm-hmm. tractors, harrows, all this stuff, bobcats. Like, I remember like that process of like learning just to, you know, load, you know, the way everything works. I remember thinking, man, I'm doing my kids a disservice by not just like, yeah. Get him out, let him work on a farm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I changed sprinklers and stuff as a kid, but like a lot of that, I don't, most people don't ever get a chance to do. Yeah. I, and I genuinely hold guilt that yeah, me, like me I'm too. not giving my kid that. Yeah, me too. For sure. It's going to be such a lost thing. And I just, and the other thing too, it's like, man, he'd be, he'd have so much of a head start in this day and age if he did, you know, if I, if he was raised like that, like think about how far advanced he would be comparative to the rest of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People that are, they're just, they're a lot hardier. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot. Figure harder. things out, fix truck, you know, super clean carburetor, yeah, self starter, <laughs> self reliant. Yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. kind of a lost start. Well, that's cool. You're finding out though. Two weeks. Yes, two weeks, man. Congrats. Thank you. I bet you're excited. Appreciate it. I bet, I'm uh, extremely. Every, everybody's excited. Extremely excited. Cool. We have to let us. We'll, we'll, we'll do a reveal. Maybe. Are you gonna do one of those big gender reveals? My my wife wants you're to shoot to. a bow. The whole yes, <laughs> we're not not a big one. Her and I, we don't give two. Sh- she will shoot the bow. We don't she's give. The killer in the no family. kidding. I'm gonna make her shoot the bow. We don't give yards. two shits about social media or any of that any of that bullshit. So it's like just one for our family. Uh-huh. But she wants to shoot a bow at it. I'm like, cool. I'll do. It. <laughs> That's badass. Yeah, I don't remember when that became a thing, but it, yeah, it, it's it, a whole thing. It blew up. And you know what it is too? It's like it's kind of backfired. My favorite ones are the memes like <laughs> that they go wrong. Yeah, <laughs> start everything on fire. Yeah, that they've, hilarious. they've started to backfire on that too. Mm. And then when the dad is like. You know, there's there are some out there where the dad is just genuinely not pumped about the gender. Oh yeah, you can totally see. <laughs> oh, yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, bro, your your kid's gonna see that. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, live forever. Yeah, it's just. Are you yeah. open for a boy or a girl? I honestly don't give a shit. Don't care one way. Or the Healthy, other. no NICU time, and I'm good. If it's a boy, then what? Third? Brothers, brothers Third? are so cool. No, girl, no. I t- I told my, my wife and I were talking. If it comes out healthy, five fingers, five toes, breathing, everything's good, no NICU time, I am going straight downstairs to the to the uh <laughs> Get a second. the little room. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting clipped immediately. Same day. Is your wife want a girl? Or is she not? She saying? genuinely doesn't care either. Yeah. I mean we're so fortunate. You guys went through a lot. Yeah. Turtle. We're so fortunate to have him. So like it is what it is. Brothers is such a cool thing. Like how awesome would that be? I have an older brother. It's just no replacement for having a brother. And if I get lucky and have that dad-daughter thing, then that's cool too. What's Taylor like is being pregnant? She do all right? Yeah, she's doing good. She's doing good. It's like opposite of the first one though. Uh So we kind of have an inclination. Yeah, it's like total opposite. (laughs) So her and I are like, yeah, must be be different this time then. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's exciting, man. 
Can't very wait good. To find out. Very, very good. So you want to jump in, Brady? Hit us with a promo first, then we'll dial. Oh, promo first. I, well, well I don't know. We I'm can, all for it. Next time we'll do it at the end. How about that? Yeah, we can do multiple ones. You're just so good at it. We want you to just, we want to keep gifting, you know, people the Love the good. It. So, yeah, as you guys know, uh, we're in. What are we in? April. Mid-April. We still have a lot. Already. of still have a lot of apps coming up. A lot of opportunities to get some tags. So to give you guys a little kickback, if you guys want to sign up for. Go Hunt Insider, that's our entire research platform, draw odds, filtering 2.0, app strategies. You know, you get Go Hunt Maps included with that, point tracker, hunt planner. Use promo code podcast. Pod, promo code podcast will give you 50 points to the Go Hunt gear shop. That's 50 bucks you can turn around and spend on anything gear related and get the best of the best research out there that we all use and trust and helps us plan our hunts, helps us get tags. Something that you just need. We are heavy in, in to research season. Oh, heavy in app it. season. I feel heavy. bad for you, Trail. Yeah, it's been a gnarly month. <laughs> it's been a yeah. lot of hours behind my desk. And, you, and you've had the, the a lot of the heavy hitter states too, the ones that are really in depth. Like, yeah, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, uh, Nevada. Yeah, you just turned in. What do you got? Nevada. Nevada, Nevada mm-hmm. elk and antelope. You turned into me. You turned into sheep and mountain goat. Yep, for Nevada. Not much changes in Nevada, right? Elk and antelope. Um, Not a ton. Like, just, I mean, some interesting. One of the interesting things about Nevada, not to dive too deep, but uh, I just wanted to shout out Nevada Game and Fish for the amount of data that they collect. The data is amazing. I think it's really cool that they collect things like horn length on antelope when when you turn in your surveys and they publish all that. Same thing for elk. They publish all your six point plus plus 50 inch main beams. And you can, like, track that out over time and they put all that out year after year data they do three-year averages they do yearly averages i mean it's really cool to look at the data when you did when you you learn a lot when you write these application strategy articles mm-hmm. you really start to like pick out little you know hidden gems especially for antelope yeah that's why i was glad that i stole the nevada mule deer app strategy from trail and i wrote the mule deer one yeah i'm so going through, I'm going through the it. same thing right yeah. now because i remember writing a lot of these back in the day i've kind of been you know pushed away from writing yeah. a bunch of these and yeah. i really enjoy writing them the time side, I can see how you could learn a ton from it's it. It's a labor of love. Yeah, like <laughs> I think I'm 26 pages on just Nevada mule deer. Holy yeah. shit! And that's not including building the graphics yet. So I have, like Trail said, I have a lot of cool graphics. There's like for mule deer, they break down even you know how many points per antler side. So yeah. one, two, three, four, five plus, mm-hmm. like four percent four pointer better. It is interesting that more states don't do that. I've always loved that about Nevada. Yeah. And there is some sleeper antelope stuff in Nevada. Yeah. It's like you start looking into that data. It's pretty incredible. There's a ton of cool data, too, when it comes to sheep. You talk desert bighorn, yeah. California bighorn, Rockies in and Nevada. Exact horn measurements, base, everything. Yeah, and that's really cool, even though I'll never draw, I probably never draw a sheep tag. Don't and, put that out there. <laughs> I've told you that before. I'm just saying probably, but... It's just cool to look at the data. You really yep. start to comb through the different units and see mm-hmm. what's available, what people are, what people have taken. You know, you can look mm-hmm. at the best ram harvested for each each year. You can look at base, like you're saying, basal measurements. You can look at all kinds of information for Nevada. Yeah. So that that Nevada big game status book. I want to know how long it takes them to put that together every year because that whew, there's a lot of gold nuggets in there. And that's what we use a lot, or I personally use it a lot to transpose that yeah. for the yeah. mule deer app strategy. I will say it's not the easiest to find always. No, I'm yeah. like, you have to really dig on <laughs> the interwebs. You have to do some digging. And, and luckily I have them all saved. But the cool thing is too, like I was going through that and they have like, I'm all the way back to the 1980s on data. Yeah. Wow. Like I can go back to how many tags they issued for mule deer, how many were successful. And I have big trends of all that data from 19, I think it's 1986. 
2022 right now. Do you recall off the top of your head the amount of tags then to now? Give me two seconds. It, uh, they do do a good job, though. I will give them that. I mean, I know it's, it's crazy that more states don't do it. Yeah. And, and they know? cover, you know, buck to door ratios. They cover tag numbers. They do population <laughs> estimates, objectives. They do. Um, yeah, I mean, you can look at like your, your population and objectives, your population estimates, you know, built, built off of modeling. And you can also look at the actual, you know, survey data. Yeah. So like when they fly or do a flight, you can actually see how many animals that they counted on the landscape. So. So here's a crazy number really quick. We don't want to dive into that too much, but we're yeah. going to leak out something that I have in the app strategy. So I have the data from 1984 to 2022. Okay. This is statewide mule deer harvest and tag numbers okay. uh, compared on one, one graph. So here's a big spike right here. We have 1988, they gave out 51,011 mule deer tags and they harvested 26,784. You have a couple other peaks in there. 2000, they gave uh 26,000 tags, harvested uh, 12,499. Half. But then the one really crazy thing, we go, there's like a little plateau for a while. All of a sudden, between 2011 and 2012, we had a huge jump. So 2011, you had 14,919 tags. Next year, 24,257. So they spiked up. Yeah. And since that spike up, both tag numbers have been dropping down and harvest numbers have been dropped dropping. down since then. So it's like, what was between 2011 and 2012 that they decided to spike it, to spike it. And that's what I'm trying to dig into, trying to figure out, you know, but I don't know if I'll be able to pull a lot of that stuff with the time I have to do this. But it was really interesting to look at that, like what caused some of those spikes in the state management or whatever they're doing and what caused them. And it's never been the same since. Never been the same since. What are they they issuing now statewide? Uh, 2022 or 2021, they... um, 16,848, Man. and they killed 6,185 mule deer. From 50,000 in the 80s to 6,000. Well, they mm-hmm. were over 50% harvest in the 80s, yeah. right? On on 51,000 tags. Yeah. Isn't that so the math 25, that I just 25,000, yeah, harvested. Is that mm-hmm. what you said approximately? Yeah, so yeah. just down to 6,000. Yeah, down to six out of out of how many tags were there? Uh, I just probably pulled 12, off 12,000, you said? Yeah. I guess it kind of stayed the same. Man. But it's, cr- it's crazy. And then like pulling up population numbers, like I was able to find some stuff that's even further. Like I have data for uh, statewide mule deer population from 1978 wow. all the way to 2022. Yeah. Wow. And they also kick out data. I mean, for 2022, mm-hmm. you're looking at, you know, the most recent data, most just, recent from, data. just from this last harvest season. So yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've been time. recording podcasts, hanging <laughs> out, you know, yeah. I heard you going bear hunting. Yeah. That's, that's going to be hard to try to get, get away and try to do, but hopefully I was, I was at the office last night till 8 30 PM. Yeah. That's just my like, guy Brady. Just like grinding on the stuff. I know trail was working on this weekend. We were both talking about app strategy stuff. He was grinding on Saturday and he'd work on Sunday. Like it's that time Easter of year. Sunday, man. Easter Sunday. Yeah. My, my, uh, kids were all out of town. So that's a definition of a grinder right there. I figure yeah. I'd do housework and work. <laughs> yeah. But you, uh, you, you covered a bunch of shelters last week, right? Shelter Palooza? Yeah. So, yeah, we were calling yeah. it Shelter Palooza. So I went out in the field and uh, basically did a big breakdown of a bunch of the four-person shelters that we carry in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. And arguably, I'll say, like, these are the top-tier four-person shelters that are out in the market. Like, these mm-hmm. are shelters that I would love to have in my gear kit at all times. That's what we did was four-person? Four four-person shelters, yep. How, how many did you do? 
So I did four of them. Just four. Okay. Yep. So for a summary, I did the uh, Peak Solitude, four-person TP. Okay. Uh, Side Cimarron, Hyperlite Ultimate, four, Pyramid Tent, and the Argali Absaroka, four-person tent. Okay. So a lot of those are actually really new to me, but ones I was very excited to actually get into Yeah, I'm excited thinking. about that Hyperlite one. The Hyperlite is one that I called out in the video that I wanted to personally see that shelter for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I love what Hyperlite does. I love how they run everything in Dyneema. I just love how it's, you know, minimalist, mm-hmm. very simple, very easy. And uh, just was super stoked to try to check that out in the field finally and uh, get a good rundown of it. And Did you like it? Loved it. Really? The only thing, again, that I wish is it's super lightweight, but... So it is a true like four four season shelter, but you don't have a stove jack. Ooh, so I don't know if you can call it a four season shelter. Yeah, I know. Could, yeah, can, can you? you? But like, I wouldn't. It's like I it, don't think you could. I don't. I, I don't wouldn't. It is can. one of those ones where you could go on some you know crazy excursions or different hunts, but you're gonna have to bring some extra gear for it. Like you're not gonna have that you know comfort factor where you're gonna go in the shelter at night and uh, you know crank on a stove. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But really ultra light. Zipper system's really unique too. It's got this waterproof zipper that's actually like legit waterproof zipper. Hmm. So it's one of those shelters that doesn't have that little flap that goes with the zipper. Mm-hmm. Most of them have that flap and the little yeah, velcro the water resistant go, yeah. uh, zippers mm-hmm. that just have a flap over the yeah, top. Yeah, this one is a solid zipper. Yeah. Seam sealed? Uh, Do you well, know? I need it for the most part. You, you don't need to because the, the way it's all taped. I just, yeah, but like where your zippers are sewn in on the inside, any kind? No? Mm-hmm. Okay. But no. You're, you're saying it's got some sort of waterproofing yep huh. it's like one of those like you know uh what would i consider it next to you know like a like a yeti um panga bag yeah yeah kind of like those waterproof zipper type yep. of style it's like something similar to that but like fold together fold together really lightweight has that nice. little rubber flaps that go on gotcha. each other. no before, stove jack though that's interesting yeah before we dive too deep i think we wanted to talk about shelters a little more generally generally yeah. and then we'll, we'll talk about some individual models we'll talk about the ones that you looked at we'll talk mm-hmm. to some of my favorites and lorenzo's favorites mm-hmm. but i think we kind of wanted to start with we get a lot of questions i do anyway you probably do too you do i'm no, not on social no. so no <laughs> smart man we need to yeah. change that we need to I, get, I, let's I, get lorenzo's email out there porter, so porter keeps lorenzo emails porter keeps begging me and i just i agree to it and then i'm like what the hell did i just do and then i'm and then I back off. I stopped at TikTok when they were like, hey, you need a TikTok account. I was like, I think I'm, no. I think I'm drawing a, lot, <laughs> hey, a hard if, line. If Porter throws you some beef, just say you are on a social platform. You're on a podcast. Yeah, podcast is one of the... That's what I'm saying, right? Like, I'll comment through YouTube, YouTube and all yeah, that. Yeah, just yeah, comment on YouTube. On that's a social platform as well. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're covered. So yeah, you got my there back. we go. I appreciate that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I thought we would run through uh, just some different scenarios. So like commonly asked questions. Some of the most common questions I get because a lot of the stuff I hunt is early season. Mm-hmm. Um, I get asked a lot of questions like, what do you, what's your preference for like an early season high country archery mule deer hunt or a muzzleloader hunt um, versus, you know, maybe a late season type of hunt, which you're going on a lot more often than I am. Yep. Right. So I thought generally we, t- we talk about that. I thought we talk about uh, like mobile elk hunting, so like early season archery elk hunting, yeah. kind of my preference, you know, versus maybe what some other people like. So I thought we would, we would tackle that first and foremost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to your guys' hunt that you did when you you hit that deer in Colorado. Oh. Do you, do you, <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> do you remember when you hit that deer in Colorado? And didn't I, do, I do. I vividly remember <laughs> hitting it and watching giant. it watching it run away with blood everywhere. How big was that buck? What we think, two oh seven? Yeah, it's big. It's, it's really big. big. Yeah. What year was that? Do you guys remember? Twenty fifteen. We had it. We had it validated through a. Uh, Has your scars healed? 
Are you still no, hurting? because that's why I haven't picked up a bow. <laughs> I, know, it, it, I haven't brought it up, but that is the timeline. I, I haven't brought that up, but that is the timeline of him putting the bow down. Gotcha. So that's like your your typical high country mule deer hunt, right? Early yep. season archery hunt. Do you guys Big. remember the date? Like time time of year? That was when you could still hunt in August. August. Yeah, it was. Yep. So it was that August, what, 26th? Yeah, last weekend in August. Like that? Which yep. I would say most of your hunts out west, your archery hunts are going to kick off that middle kind of tail into August and run into September. So yep. you're, you're, you're mostly talking, you know, high altitude. Well, how, how high? We, we were up to 11, 11.5. 11.5. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you were on the top of that ridge, you were over 12. Yeah, that was scary. That yeah. backside was literally yeah. mountain goats country. Right. And you, I mean, Wyoming, you're talking G or H, similar type of terrain. Mm-hmm. You're above Timberline. Yep. You know, Utah, if you look at the Wasatch, it's got some of that. The UN is mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, backpack in there and hunt deer. Uh, but you, you're primarily talking like that early season, high country, archery spot and stock type of hunt. Yep. What, uh, what did you guys take for shelters? And like, what do you typically recommend for people on that type of hunt and why? So back in the day, that was a tarp tent. For so, you. Yep. So the tarp tent system, it was a very ultra light. It's basically almost looks like a tarp that's somehow made into a little one man shelter. So it has a little mesh insert on the bottom, like a little bathtub floor. For ultra light, you have to pitch it with the trekking pole, pitch it with the carbon pole on the back end. Yep. But it's very ultra light because I can just, because that hunt, we were going in deep. That was deep. So really that was deep. one of the ones. A lot one, of vertical. One, really one, deep. So that was a hunt I was very, you know, cautious of everything I brought, everything I'd be weighed out to announce because we're going yep. so far in and wanted to be able to, you know, have that, you know. little funny story here too. That's that's one of our, what was that, our second film? You yeah. were the first one in Elements and mm-hmm. that was our second. We didn't really know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We had so much weight in camera gear. We were, so we were like carrying. the rest of it was, we went super light on on the so necessities because gotcha. we were trying to figure out how to do this like we carried the, in a generator. style of videos a, a little, ba- a little yeah, battery power did. generator it weighs for like batteries that. yeah gotcha. it weighed like 10 pounds we kept trading yes. off matter on. film that yeah yeah oh, yeah dude we were so heavy in in because you didn't know gear. you wouldn't you didn't know what you would need to, yeah. to, yeah, to well, film I mean, a hunt like that we yeah. knew we wanted a different style like mm-hmm. I, I was really hot on that like you know the the surf style adventure mm-hmm. films, and so we were. That's what we were trying to accomplish. We didn't know how. We we're just like, let's yeah, go figure it let's out. Let's go do it. We had so much weight in camera gear. We were light on the other stuff. So mm-hmm. you did that tarp tent. Yep, tarp tent. That thing was, was actually a tar- it was a tarp cool, tent though. pro trail, if I remember right. Okay, that thing was pretty cool. So when you're talking that kind of high country, I mean, what for me when I think about high country mule deer hunting, even high country elk hunting, depending on where you're at, but in, in early season, um, you're kind of beholden to you know, exposed ridges, right? So if you don't really have timber that you can kind of, you know, hike down into and camp, so you may be camped on an exposed face. You're more open to rain, wind. Lightning. 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 I was going to jump in there. You guys had some lightning. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. He, (laughs) I've had some lightning. I've had some lightning night days and nights where I thought this is it. Like any second, I'm not going to feel a damn thing. And that's it. Like, yeah, well, I'm the, I'm, uh, clearly much slower hiking a mountain than Brady and you are too, by the way, which I learned in New Mexico. <laughs> but I told Brady, I'm like, just, just go like, I'll, I'll be Catch there. Up. But mm-hmm. you like you, you go, go at your pace. I'll, I'll meet you up there. Like, don't I'll just, I'll go on my own pace. You go at your pace. I'll meet you up there. So by the time I got up to the first ridge that we wanted to glass into this bowl, he had set up his, his tarp, tarp tent, tent and it's like on this exposed ridge mm-hmm. it's as a, a lightning a storm is rolling in. I'm like, bro, are you, 
are you sure? Like, should we mm-hmm. drop off and go to like the next spot we want to get to tonight because of the storm? He's like, no, 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 we're good. All right. So all night long, I just laid there thinking, yep, I'm just, I'm going to see the light and it's, it's over. That's you when know? you take your metal trekking poles back in the day and you take your tripod, and anything metal and you just chuck them away it was from gnarly. the shelter. That, that night on that ridge was, that was gnarly. Yeah. I remember like in, uh, it had to have been 2002 or three. Like I think Cam had just put out like backcountry bow hunting. I'd read that like yep. Bivy, you know, Bivy sack. Yeah. You're just going out. And that's what I did. I bought a bivy sack. I bought an outdoor research bivy sack. Uh, Alpine. I still have it, actually. Alpine bivy. Um, still use it, actually, from time to time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember one night on a high country mule deer hunt on the beaver being absolutely just terrified, scared shitless. Yeah. Just lightning, you know, one hoop over my head and just thinking, like, this is insane. And just absolute It's pure, such a helpless pure, feeling. Totally helpless. Yeah. Cause you can't get, I mean, you can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. Like, pretty exposed. I had a little, you know, I'd, I'd hike down a little bit. I had a little bit of timber, but for the most part, I was just like, just getting dumped on. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the hard thing about those early season hunts is where are you going to pitch a shelter? But like yeah. also, since we were going to that hunt, I didn't want a shelter that had a big footprint because I knew we were going to be camping in a lot of these net ridges. Crazy stuff. And mm-hmm. the only way to have a better spot was to literally get down into the basin a little bit further, which, you know, in that hunt, we wanted to be back a little bit first, do long distance glassing. Yep. So we we're going to be camping on some knife ridge early on. And turns out we turned up that buck. It was the, right it was away the, in the right away in the morning. It's a perfect game plan. I no saw, question about that. Perfect game plan. Couldn't yep. have done that any better. So then the rest of the time we had some ability to have little better camp spots, but we're still yep. pretty much exposed a lot though. But having that lightweight shelter just makes things so much easier because light, yep. it's fast, easy to pitch. So if we get into a spot where we have to set up shelter really close because the rainstorm coming in, yeah, it's not going to take a while to set up. And again, they don't take up much room on the mountain. And trying to have three different shelters on a mountain in one spot, you realize quickly like those small lightweight footprints or bivy sack mm-hmm. is going to yeah, be a great really solution. Way, on early yeah. season well, I wouldn't recommend the bivy again for that. I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I've learned some things. It's just going to be my follow-up question to you guys is since that time, I mean, it's been what, eight, nine years yeah. ago, yeah. I guess at this point, well, it was, it, this Fa- is, fast forward now, would, would you have done things differently? What type of shelters do you typically recommend for people early season, high country archery mule deer? Hmm. What are, well, your, this what was are pre, your thoughts? So this was pre gear shop. <clears throat> yeah. And oh, yeah. Only, way, way before. The only shelter I had was the Hilleberg, the two man Hilleberg. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was using. Yep. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but that two man Hilleberg. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had that or one. Nyack, I think Mather had the uh, Kuyu. I think the Mountain Star. The Mountain Star. Had just came out. Yeah. And then I had that. I had the um, Hilleberg and then you yep. had your tarp tent. But yeah, I would not do the same thing. You wouldn't do that? No. Why not? I would go straight teepee. Really? Yeah. And that type I'd of hunt? Go, I'd go floorless That's teepee. interesting. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Typically, I, I like, I, I've got a Hilleberg Enon, and that's kind of what I've transitioned to for that type of hunt. Like, if I'm going to be exposed on a ridge, um, I want, like you're saying, a small footprint, relatively small. It's a one-man shelter. It's not got a ton of headroom, but it's got enough that, like, I can lay in there and yeah. ride out you know, a night or a day, if it's just absolutely dumping and I've got mm-hmm. a little bit of headroom, I can read a book if I want to. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I like, I like, like, I like a double wall shelter yeah. like that. That's going to buck some wind versus yep. actually. Yeah. yeah that's, maybe, that's what I was just going to ask. Do you like it because of the wind bucking capability? Yeah I, like it, yeah. I like the ability to buck the wind. I like the protection from weather. So, yeah. you know, rain, lightning, that kind of thing. You're not going to get protected from lightning. No, but, <laughs> but like that, that's, that exactly. is the, you can hide yourself yeah. from lightning. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that is the only downside of some of these other ones that stick up taller, like a, a like a yeah. teepee kind of does. Cause you Think put a teepee on an exposed ridge, you could get rocked 
by some nasty winds and nasty storms. Yeah, low profile. That's why you might. You could still rock it like the the little bug out. I've used no, that. I was, now that I'm rethinking my answer through this because when we when I was in Wyoming and Randy had that uh, TP, he got crushed oh, by yeah, the wind. Yeah. So I actually, uh, yeah, I probably I wouldn't do TP. Yeah, so just, I, I it, like that setup. It just depends, but I. Yeah, I, I, I advise people. That's typically like my, my advice to people. Like if, if that's the hunt you're going for. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, you can't have, I would say ideally you have one for every type of situation. You know, you've got a, a yeah. floorless shelter with a stove, maybe one without a stove jack, like a hyperlite to save some weight. You've got a double walled shelter, like a, you know, a big Agnes tiger wall or something mm-hmm. like that, or a Hilleberg. Um, but yeah, for those early, especially like spot and stock mule deer, where I feel like you're probably going to have a camp you're going to try to locate that in some low spot, you know, kind of out of the way mm-hmm. where, you know, potential deer that you might be trying to hunt aren't going to pick it out. It's not going to be like glowing on a hillside. Yep. And you're probably going to end up, you know, hiking up every morning to a glassing point where you can cover a basin or two basins, right? And you're, you're probably back and forth between that. Yeah. Yep. I think switching now, if I could do it over again, but obviously these shelters weren't released back then. Yeah. But I really have grown to enjoy the Stone Glacier Sky Air ULT, mm. that yeah. full setup. And that's still one of those ones that pitches a little bit tall because you have that trekking pole in mm-hmm. the back end. But I have been in some pretty nasty storms. I've used that a lot in some spring bear hunts before I switched over to the fully floorless shelter system. But that setup is really light and it's very versatile too. It's modular. So I could just run it as like basically a tarp. A tarp. I could have that bathtub insert in there if I wanted to. And it's just very versatile for that run and gun style. And I think that's going to be a great shelter too if I want to go steep and deep and light on a scouting trip maybe Super in the summer. Super light. Like crazy yeah. light. Very light. And that's one, again, that's going to not have a big footprint where I could pitch it anywhere. I can pitch it in a mule deer bed if I needed to. Like I could just use the top part as a tarp. I does it bother it. that you have to climb in from the, the, one, the one end? It you does. have to scoot your way down there. <laughs> so that's a, fun, that's a funny story. Like you, is that a shelter long enough for you being 6'5"? Not really. No. <laughs> no. So the funny story about the going in from the front, you remember on uh, that end of thin air hunt yeah. where I lost that giant deer. Yeah. That one morning where we, we had that rainstorm all night. Yeah. And it went through all the whole entire morning. And I got up at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Maybe was, it was noon. I was going to say, the one thing I'm ultra impressed with is how long he could lay in that little tiny yeah, tarp. We, there was no point in glassing. They literally, you can see anything. Couldn't so see I anything. just slept all morning and because you have to get in from that front side and that, uh, the front vestibule is not yeah. on that tarp. The vegetable? Not, the vegetable. <laughs> the the front, vestibule. That's the front vegetable. Vegetable. Uh, eggplant. It's not, <laughs> there wasn't, there wasn't really a good way to, uh, to tie it out. So it kind of flaps in the wind a little bit. Uh-huh. And so at, since it was so windy and raining and all my gear sitting in front there and I had my two Solomon speed crosses yeah, and they eventually that vestibule was moving back and forth and getting soaked. And so I hopped out of my shelter and of course that's the only place I can put my gear because it's such a minimalist design. I can't mm-hmm. put it inside. My shoes had two inches of water in them and I literally soaked. that's see, on film. You pour yeah, it, you, you literally see crawling me out and pouring the, pouring water. the water out of my shoes because that's the only uh, downside too. When you get into those ones, you have the front entry because if it's downpouring rain and you have to get in your shelter, you have to open that vestibule up, you have to hop inside and that's a chance for your sleeping yeah. bag, a bunch of yeah, gear to get wet. wet. We and got it's really awkward because you have to kind of like go on your knees, you have to twist around. All of a sudden you're getting a bunch of debris and debris and dirt thrown inside your shelter. Yeah. That's it's why not I, easy. I, I like a side entrance. Side entry is yeah. the way and to I go. And I like a vestibule, can. especially vestibule. in those early season hunts where you're exposed. Cause you got to have a, some, a spot to put your gear. You yeah. got to be able to pull your boots in, pull your pack in. So that's where I was going talking about yeah. bringing the teepee, but you know, the wind and the this, yeah, I, I, I 
want to retract my answer there, but where I was going is we got crushed with rain on that. Hunt. Crushed. That's why we lost the deer is because of a giant rainstorm. Yep. We got rained on every single day and everything was soaked. Like my, the vestibule just wasn't big enough, too much gear. I mean, granted, like I said, we had a lot of camera equipment, so that took priority getting covered. Yeah. Um, but man, it just, our, our gear was soaked and I, I can't stand being wet like that. And I can't stand when you're getting rained on every day. Yeah. Makes you not want to hunt. And yeah. the other downside too, of those style shelters, like the sky air or the tarp tent, I had no place to put my bow mm-hmm. yeah, in a covered soaked. area. So luckily I still had a, a prototype um, bow sleeve that one of my friends built back in the day. So that could cover my strings. So my strings weren't getting loaded with water, but so there's the chance if you don't have that, and you're going into a situation like that, we have to put your gear outside, your bowstring is going to be loaded every single yeah. day. And that, you that's know, what happened to me. Could impact. I was getting soaked every day. Could impact I think that's shot. why I missed that caribou in Alaska the first time. Just putting that out there. Just putting <laughs> so it out there. Strings, <laughs> uh, I mean, soaked. I don't know. Maybe I just missed. Maybe. How, no, how much, no, how much, no. Like, it was you know, definitely the one. I, I gave it a few yards on the second one. So. I want to ask you, is it an archery nut? Uh-huh. Does that have a potential to really impact a yeah. shot? Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah, you load your string ups. You load your strings up with water because that water's going to absorb in yeah, there. Even water if, yeah, even absorb. if your strings are waxed, you're probably going to absorb some water. Yeah, it is interesting though. Like I've been, uh, I, I got these strings. I know this is a tangent, but blood bloodline, which I think, yeah, bloodline, which is a, a new new fiber, right? Which is sick suppo- name. Yeah, supposedly waterproof. Um, you don't have to wax those strings. Uh, that's the set that I've got on that VXR right now. Um, It'd be kind of interesting to see if that holds true. But yeah, they, I, I would say, yeah, it has the potential to, to slow your air down a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it'll make you miss caribou, but... No, for <laughs> sure, it was a water. That was but that's water. what I'm claiming. Yeah, that's, that's the thing you got to think about is like if you're going with some of these lightweight shelters that don't have enough room to keep your gear, well, mm-hmm. where are you going to store your gear? And if you're yeah. on those high ridge lines and you have to just store out in the elements, you have to come prepared with the bow sleeve, pack rain cover, yeah. you know, where your boot's going to go, where your extra gear going to go. You know, all that has to be really consideration because you have to have, you have sacrifices when you go with lightweight gear. For sure. But yeah, early like, season high, high country mule there, I would say plan on rain because mm-hmm. you get those thunder bumpers almost every afternoon. They build up at elevation. You almost always are going to have, not every day, but it's not uncommon by any means mm-hmm. to have those thunder bumper rainstorms yeah. where you're going to get drenched. So I yeah. would say plan on, plan on rain. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, we'll, we'll go run through maybe some, some options as far as shelters go that are like within that vein. But I wanted to ask you, what are you guys' thoughts on sharing a tent? So there's a lot of, there's two person, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of two man tents. There's one man tents. Um, you know, I've had people, you know, buy two man tents, like, Hey, me and a buddy are going to share it and pack it in. I wanted to ask you about that. What do you think? <laughs> you guys share a tent ever? No, no. So <laughs> I'm a, that's a big no for me, but I have done it before to quote unquote, try to save some weight. Mm-hmm. And that was not fun. Yeah. Like those, when they say they're a two man tent, okay, sure. Two five foot five people can maybe fit <laughs> yeah. in there. Not some full grown humans. Yeah. I, I like my space. I'm, I'm, I can't do that. The only time I've shared is in the big teepees. Yeah. I've, got, I've gotten so accustomed to teepees. There's so much space for gear coverage. Yeah, you can spread out. People. You yeah. got your own That's spot That's why my mind went gear. immediately there. I, I love the space. I love it. Yeah. I would say it depends on how good a buddy you are. Yeah, because every day you're... <laughs> I don't think there... If it's not my wife, don't you're not sleeping in my tent. <laughs> like, I can't imagine you and I'd have to... Sh- oh, we'd, we'd have to sleep, be, you know, shorts. Our legs are 69 thick, position. Because <laughs> <laughs> your shoulders would be taking up oh, the whole top half. Man. Because you realize when you, you know, after a, a big, long five, seven day hunt, when you, you and your buddy get back to your truck Ugh. and you realize you're sitting in your truck for a little bit, how bad it Ugh. smells. 
Like you're going to be having that experience every single night with you and your friend when you're sleeping next to each other. Plus you snore, I snore, you know, yeah. you roll over, you move it around. For I got sure. I got to pee three times a night. So I'm getting up, I'm waking my buddy up if I did that. So that's, I mean, I would, yeah. I would say benefits of it, obviously going to save some weight. You can split the, you know, the inner mesh part, mm-hmm. the canopy and the poles and the stakes between two people and save some weight. But yeah. for, for me, I, I got to have my own space. I th- yeah, Just I think throw a two and a half pound weight extra in your gym sessions just two and a half pounds to get ready for carrying <laughs> your own shelter pounds. yeah or lose two pounds <laughs> lose two it's pounds, worth it carry have your own ten. your own space man own yeah. space yeah you gotta go to own space and you yep. gotta take care of your own gear it's like it's a whole it's a whole thing like that is your that's your that's your place man mm-hmm. yes yeah, so, i mean that's typically the advice I, I i give to people i i tend to lean especially towards like early season high country mule there where you're going to be exposed you know think about it, first and foremost elements rain wind and that's why i like I personally like like a double wall, like a traditional style tent with a rain canopy and some mm. space, a vestibule off the front. Do you have any, I would, I would say I'll run through some of my options. Yeah, I'll let you think about it. Yeah. You, you do more of these now than I do. I've kind of switched over. Yeah. So I would say kind of my go-to for a long time has been the Hilbert Enon, which is, um, it's not the hardiest. It's not like the, the ACCO, I think, yeah. which is the next step up as far as materials and poles go. It's, it's not quite as durable. It's not as lightweight, so it's not going to be as lightweight as some of your other options, especially like a floorless tarp or a tent. Um, so you're going to pack a little bit of extra weight, but like I said, I like the weather protection. Um, a few others, and this is just like general advice I tell people is like, Hilleberg's an awesome tent, but you're going to pay a premium price for it. Yep. Like you're going to have it for a really long time. It's a Swarovski. It's a Swarovski. Uh, shelters. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to have it forever. I think I've had that one for, I don't know, eight years, maybe nine years. Um, keeps going strong, super durable tent. So, I mean, to me, it makes sense to pay for it. Super easy to set up one pole. Uh, you got two stakes at the end to kind of pull that thing out. So it's really easy. And I would say that's one consideration to think about is ease of setup, like you're saying, because you might have to set that thing up in just an absolute downpour. Mm-hmm. So ease of setup. I like the single pull on that. There's a couple other options. And I tell people all the time, like, how much are you going to use the thing? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, if you can't justify, if you're going to, you know, maybe camp in it for five days a year, you know, maybe you don't need a Hilleberg. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it depends. But there's a couple others that I really like. One of them, I was super impressed with, I think a few years ago, we set a bunch of tents up and had a chance to play with some of them. But one of them is the Big Agnes Tiger Wall. And they have the UL2. That tent is super lightweight, did really well in the wind. I actually really like that tent. You got two vestibules off of both sides, so you got plenty of gear storage. It's big enough you could sleep two people in the two-person, but it's a palace for one. You can Mm -hmm. set up, read in it. Um, The new, I haven't had a chance to play with it, but the new uh, Stone Glacier, so everything that those guys, I think it's sol, solo. So yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, let me look. I got to get it right. But that one I think is a, a really interesting option. Mm-hmm. Um, again, double wall, tons of protection. Um, so you're really leaning on this double wall thing here. Yeah, I like it just for condensation. I mm-hmm. like having the rain fly. The other cool thing about a lot of those double wall tents, like a like a tiger wall, for example, is that you can pitch that in a bunch of different varieties. You can use just the rain shelter and a footprint and the poles if you wanted to, or you can pitch it traditionally with like the mesh insert and all mm-hmm. that. The other thing I haven't really noted is bugs. Yeah. So I've had some early season archery deer hunts where I've just been eaten alive by mosquitoes. Oh yes. Just hammered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's another reason why I like like a mesh inner insert part of a tent for those early season hunts, just as, just for bugs. But those are kind of the three I'm looking at um, that I'd recommend. And like I said, my, my go-to has been that Enon for a long time. Yeah, I've used the skyscraper quite a bit. I have the old version. I don't have the the newer version. 
Um, but back in the day, this is going to date me like way, way back in the day when I was doing uh, fisheries work in Montana, my go-to shelter was the MSR. I think it was called the Hubba. The H- Hubba? The, yeah, Hubba? the Hubba HP. You know what? They used to have the Hubba Hubba, which yeah. is the two person. Then they had the Hubba, which is a single person. And then they had the Mother Hubba, which, yeah. was, a, <laughs> which was a three person. And now I saw, I checked on our website the other day. They have the Hubba Hubba three person, which I'm kind of bummed out that they dropped the Mother yeah. Hubba. That's way better. They Yeah, yeah that, they need some branding work on that. I but, like the Mother Hubba. But back better. in the day, though, that Hubba HP, if I recall, I think it's definitely what that was. It was like a lighter weight version super easy to pitch mm-hmm. very very durable could handle the winds and that was my go-to shelter for the longest time when i was doing fisheries work and i transferred that into some you know scouting trips in montana for you know high country deer and stuff like that but and then now the, the sky air ult like that's one that again i could pitch it several different ways but that bathtub floor mesh insert's gonna get rid of all those bugs and then, like you said the bug thing mm-hmm. i can recall some nasty scouting trips in montana when literally, like you said, the mosquitoes were horrendous. I'm mm-hmm. literally sitting there at night glassing with the bug net. I had to bring a bug net in these scouting trips because the mosquitoes yeah. were so Stand bad. Bugs. And then you try to sleep at night and it's the same thing. The mosquitoes don't go away till like 1 a.m. in the morning or whatever when things start getting a little cooler and you're just getting eaten alive. Yeah. It's not fun. That, uh, that stone glacier is called the Solus, S-O-L-U. Solus. Okay. Yeah, Solus, one person. That's a new tent for them for 2023, which like I said, I haven't had a chance to try yet. But Did you see that new Argali one? Um, yeah, I just saw it today. It looks like a floorless one man type of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I haven't really looked at it other than I just saw, I was driving down today and saw a social media post about yeah. it, but yeah. I, you texting and driving over there? Uh, before I get to Vegas, I get to, when I get to, yeah, I mean, open road, right? <laughs> text and drive. Uh, don't text and drive kids. Um, yeah. but yeah, once I get to Vegas, so bumper to bumper, I got to really pay attention, yeah. which I'm not used to. I don't, I don't have bumper to bumper in Cedar man. City. Yeah. Um, those are kind of three I really like. Uh, any others jump out to you? Or are you kind of you good with that? I'm good with that because once I have a tried and true system, I don't really jump around yeah. a lot in the shelter game. Like mm-hmm. I do have a lot of shelters now because I've been at this a long time and my system kind of does work. Like I know what I'm going to have for early season. I know a mid season. I know a late season. Yep. Yeah. And I just like, I think those ones I mentioned are just very versatile. And if you're just going to buy one, obviously consider, you know, cost and weight and, you know, your size of your body yeah. and all the features that you are looking for in a shelter or get something that's maybe modular that you could have different setups for. Like you could just have the rain fly. You could just have the mesh in service can be nice out and not put the rain fly on top to let yourself breathe a little bit more. But yeah, Both considerations. That, that early, I will pack a little bit of extra weight just for some added weather protection, mm-hmm. a little more comfort, you know, if I got to ride it out. I'm going to use you two for a real life scenario here instead of going in my past archives. So I'm lucky, super fortunate going on that stone sheep hunt this year in August. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been primarily, we've just been doing this TP thing for so long because we've, you know, been doing these filmed hunts and usually it's two or three of us, cameraman, the whole deal. It's what's been working for me, but obviously... I'm going to need something else for this. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just starting to like dive in to think about what I'm going to take now. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Um, like I said, I, it, one man or two, do you want? Oh, one man, one, but I want, but I need gear mm, coverage. Yeah. I mean that tiger wall too is really hard to beat, to be honest. Really? It's super light. Yeah. You're two pounds. I want to say, I mean, it's, it's really lightweight. It's not too expensive in the grand scheme of things. And there's a lot of single person shelters out there that are very similar in weight, but you're getting a lot more room in that tiger wall. And that's again, it depends need. on how long you're going to use the thing, but I think that's a really nice 14 option. days exposed oh, yeah, I, sheep country. Yeah. You could be moving a lot. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, if it's anything like 
the first time I did this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean it's constant movement. Yeah. Constant. Or a Hilberg. Yeah. You know, you you probably put some time into an Enon. I bet you've slept That's in. so my first stone long time ago. That's what I was in. Yeah. That's why I took it on in into thin air on that hunt. Mm-hmm. That was that was my only shelter I had. That yeah. was it. I mean, you've got less less room for sure. Less room to sit up, less, less gear like. storage. Yeah. And that's that is one thing I like about uh like a two person tent, like a hubba hubba or yeah. You know, a sky, what is it? Sky, it's not a skyscraper. Sky yeah, it is a skyscraper. Skyscraper is a yeah, two-person. Yeah, a two-person. But That's then a, you're, you're four and a half pounds for it. So you're, 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 you're taking some extra weight, but you are giving yourself a whole lot more room internally and storage. Yeah, and the durability. Yeah. And durability. Yeah, the, true. the internal space and storage is what I'm real focused on. Um, I mean, you get trapped in your tent. Every time I've been up there, you get trapped for a day or two. You know what I mean? Like a full, I'm not talking... Like a half day. I'm talking a full day or two at a time. And that's where having that extra room in there is going to yeah. be nice. Otherwise, and it's you're going to go crazy. Gear coverage. I mean, you're on a you're on a sheep hunt. The last thing you need is something going wrong. I mean, you're out there. I mean, if you want to go home, you can't. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? The plane's not coming back. So, yeah. um, I'm just starting to dive back into like what my setup's going to be going into that. And it, it's super comparable to those early. A lot of those early season super high country mule deer hunts, yeah, right? Very yeah, Bugs, sheep weather, mm-hmm. getting trapped in there. The whole the whole deal, and. uh you know, like I've said it before, but I really, I really want to try to kill it with my bow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to take you some days be, then potentially. Yeah, yeah. A lot of days and I'm really focused on gear coverage is what I'm, is where my main thought goes. And then bugs obviously too. I mean, mm-hmm. up there, it's, that's like another world of bugs. Yeah. I mean, just, just for reference, like this tiger wall UL three, which is a three person, which is tons of room, right? Spec wise, uh, trail weight, two pounds, 10 ounces. So oh, yeah. you, you go you know, steaks and whatnot, you're three pounds. So it's still lighter. And you get down to, you know, trail weight on a two person, which offers you tons of coverage for one guy, you're two pounds. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 not the most durable. You're not getting like the durability of you would, you know, the material in a Hilleberg, but you're still getting tons of coverage and probably enough to to be fine and saving Those 14 weight. days, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that option. Um which oh, Go ahead. I was going to jump to a different subject. Yeah, go ahead. I was. Gonna, I want to ask what's your uh, go-to archery elk shelter yeah, setup. So that's like, where the, I was going. Okay, so more down. <laughs> yeah. So we're get, we're getting off the the ridge lines now. Mm-hmm. We're diving down in the dark timber. Mm-hmm. What are you What are you taking on an elk hunt? Archery elk hunt. Yeah. So archery elk hunt. I think two two types of hunts, right? So you've got people that like a base camp. And they're going to hunt a drainage. You know, maybe they've got some elk in it. They've got it kind of figured out. They want to stay out of the drainage to kind of keep their scent out of the drainage. They want to be able to hunt that drainage. So they're in and out of that drainage every single day. That's not my style of hunting. <laughs> but I would say adopt a similar style of hunt that we just talked or shelter that we talked about just now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think where you're a little bit more timbered up, you got a little bit more coverage. That is an opportunity where you could use a floorless shelter, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So something like a Cimarron, which would be nice if you've got you and a buddy. You can pitch that thing. You can use a, a ground cloth, you know, like a footprint, uh, just to lay your sleeping bags on. You can actually save some weight. you got plenty of room, you know, storage for your gear. And you got weather protection. Like I said, you can find some coverage so you're not dealing with the wind day in and day out. But um, like my style of hunting, I really like, and I, I mean, people debate me on this and that's fine. Everybody can, everybody hunts a little bit differently. My style of hunting for our trail, cause I like to be on the move and I like to get up every day. Um, I throw everything in my backpack. So I'm packing around 50 pounds, 
you know, so you're breaking down your shelter. Oh uh, yeah. I'm pulling down my shelter. Everything goes back in my backpack, my full backpack on my back and I'm hunting elk for the day. And then wherever I end up that night, I'm just throwing it out and, you know, making camp and do mm-hmm. it again all the next day. And for me, I think I'm more effective that way because like to kill an elk, I feel like archery elk, like you just have to have chances. You have to stay in the game. Right. And I feel like if I'm hiking back and forth, like I have a lot of buddies that will do it. I'm just not willing to sacrifice the sleep. I would rather just camp where I'm at and, you know, get eight or nine hours, 10 hours of sleep depending on the time of year. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I like to get my sleep and then be up and, you know, moving and on elk. And I've had a lot of experiences, a lot of elk I've killed actually, uh, I've picked up like right first thing in the morning. And I know if I was hiking back and forth between a base camp, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I wouldn't hey, have been in the, in the game. And you might bump them too when you're moving around uh, like yeah, that in the dark. And, and bump them. Yeah. I mean, I, so, so for me, shelter wise, archery elk hunting, my preferred style is bivy and tarp. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I like. And I've been using, um, like I said, I've used the outdoor research, the, I think you use the helium. Yep, that's what I have as a helium. The helium is a, a bivy. It's Pertex. It's the lightest option that they make. Super lightweight. Offers you enough weather protection, in my opinion. It's not as yep. breathable. It's not quite as breathable. You get, did you get any condensation in that when no, you used it? I was good. Do yeah, you, depends you, on the time of year. Do you want to explain the bivy, how, how it kind of works for people who might not know? Yeah, so it's just essentially, I mean, if you think about a sleeping bag, um, it's essentially just a shell that goes over the top of your sleeping bag that's made of like a waterproof material. So it's typically either Gore-Tex. Um, outdoor Research is using a new uh, layer called Ascent, which is a lighter weight, kind of a more breathable waterproof uh, material and then pertex which is kind of your other one that you hear often but it's essentially you just slide your sleeping bag your sleeping pad inside both sleeping bag and pad yeah bag and pad inside this bivy sack and then um, some of them have a hoop like a small hoop that goes up and over your head just to give you a little bit of protection if you wanted to close that thing and zip it up Um, I'm giggling because I'm thinking about (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about our camera guy who just won't sleep head out like for some reason that just freaks him out to like have his head outside of a bivy sack. So he would the be, bear's going to get you then. Yeah. Cause the bear's going to yeah, eat, not, eat your the, face. The, the, the bivy protects you, yeah, right? Protects you. Yeah. Sure. It's going to eat your face, I guess, <laughs> apparently. But, um, yeah, I've just like complete total starry night, not a cloud in the sky, you know, look over at him and he's got that thing zipped, zipped completely up. <laughs> shut up and over his head, which I don't like that. Typically I like to sleep with my head out. So I just leave that thing open at the top. I don't ever, in fact, I very rarely even carry the hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I carry a tarp as a backup and I only pitch the tarp if I feel like I'm going to have bad weather. What size tarp? usually go with for that setup typically like an eight by ten and you're pitching that like a standard way like line down the middle closed a frame -frame. yeah my preference so you stake the four corners i'll run a pole usually just a stick and then usually i have one trekking pole and i'll put that at the top like the a-frame part of it so i can get in and out of it Mm -hmm. and then just a pole in the middle to like give me a little bit of extra room in the middle and like i said i only ever pitch that if i feel like i'm gonna have bad weather if it looks like good weather, starry night, like head out, just throw the sack out. The nice thing I like about this type of hunting is that it's just so quick. Yep. That's the story I wanted to get into. So when I hunted, the only time I've elk hunted with trail mm-hmm. was a hunt we did with uh, Trent, born mm-hmm. and raised guys back in the day. And uh, I noticed every time we would, because that was a mobile hunt, mm-hmm. every day we're kind of, you know, following the elk camping that night. He had his setup already completed 
Everything was all, his, his bed was all laid out, and his baby sack was dialed, his tarp, and we're still trying to find flat spots for our yep. shelter. Yep. He literally just has a little small spot on the mountain, maybe next to a log or whatever, or it's yeah, a Yeah, deer trail. bed, elk bed. That's and the other thing about a bivy is you can literally kick out anything, anywhere. Anything. And you have that carbon whippet, so you're sitting there like digging out your little mm-hmm. area really nice and getting it all flat, and like you're already eating. And we're still like analyzing the terrain. Like, oh, what's that look like? Is that nice and flat for my shelter? And he's done. Mm-hmm. So like he said, the, the, he gets more time to finish eating and go to bed. Yep. So he's w- more well rested. Yeah, sure. It might be like 30 minutes, but like that's 30 minutes, you know? Yeah. And I find Eventually. it more, I find it more beneficial in the morning. You know, like I get to sleep in a little bit longer. I'm five minutes. You, you reach back, you deflate your air pad, you lay on it, air goes out, you roll everything up. You get your system dialed. Yeah, you just stuff it in your backpack in the bottom of your backpack and you're gone. Like yep. it's it's that quick, which is the reason I like that style of hunting. It's just easy to use. And then, you're not, like you said, you're not having to carry a bunch of extra poles around too, which is added weight. You're finding yeah. a random stick mm-hmm. where you're at to pitch your tarp up at night. Yeah. Or like I said, if the weather's nice, you don't have to need to pitch that. And I, I really, I don't know. I guess it depends. Everybody's a little bit different as far as like their comfort. I know people for sure. I born and raised guys, those guys, you know, they pitch tents. I know a lot of people that pitch a tent. They just like the comfort of being like in a little cocoon. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's like their own little hotel room on the mountain. You know, they feel like a little bit protected from, you know, an animal or whatever it might be. But like, it's never freaked me out just sleeping with my head out under the stars. I don't lose sleep. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe it just depends on each individual comfort level well you showed me the light on on that (laughs) because i had never bivy hunted before um you know pitching like like into thin air you know pitching tents the whole deal when i went on that elk hunt with you and you showed me that the bivy style i am like forever in love with that with elk hunting that's that is the only way do you think it helped i think it and yeah absolutely it helped think about how how much ground Mm -hmm. we we didn't lose on the elk but think about how much they moved right from day one yeah that very first seven point we saw that when we were right there yep. and then to the days we killed mm-hmm. like how much ground we covered and if we had to retract on that ground every single day how different it could have been and what i remember specifically is like hunting those elk all clear through the night like that first night where we set up on that wallow those elk were just off the wallow and laying there falling asleep, but listening to the elk and being like, okay, they're moving you mm-hmm. know, this way, that way. We knew exactly what to do. And as you're waking up in the morning, you're listening to see how yeah. close they are, how far they are, which direction they went. You literally, like, it was literally game on the, the entire time. Yeah. The year before you and I hunted that, I'd drawn that same unit, yeah. same area. And it took me, I think nine, I think I killed a bull. I think it was nine days. Eight or nine or ten days, I can't remember, but um, it took me almost the entire hunt to like figure that out, right? But I remember, and that's how I was hunting, bivy sack, you yeah. know, tarp moving. And I remember one night I got onto this bull and he was screaming, had a bunch of cows, wouldn't come in, wouldn't come in. And I just like bird dogged him all evening and it got dark. And I remember I, I was sitting on this log and it was like pitch, you know, dark, too dark. And he was still bugling and I just cow calling. Cause I wanted to see, you know, his reaction, how hot. And he came in after dark and I remember him coming in and just like screaming in my face. Like it was actually a little bit terrifying. Cause I was sitting on the, <laughs> I was sitting on this log. I had the wind and this bull is right there. I'll bet he was 12, you know, 12 feet. I mean, he was so close. Like I could see his outline. That's awesome. I could see him, you know, and he is just ripping like right in my face. And, uh, yeah, I, I just threw out my bivy as soon as he kind of, kind of let him move on. I threw out my bivy between two logs. 
Um, but I killed that, I killed that bull. I killed a bull out of that herd the next morning. And mm -hmm. from that spot to where I killed that bull was three and a half miles. So that so, they'd move that morning. Yeah. yeah. So that like, I don't want to get into too much of a tangent here, but what would be a consideration? Like we're talking about basically sleeping with the elk. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is there a concern of getting too close or do you have like some sort of system you use to, okay, I know the elk are here. They're at night. Like all how about, do you determine where you drop in camp right yeah, there? I mean, all about wind, right? Yeah. 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 So like you always got to, I mean, wind is the ultimate <laughs> thing yeah. when you're hunting elk or any animal for that matter, right? You got to pay attention to the mm -hmm. wind. So, yeah, I mean, I've had to drop down a little bit, like into, you know, a drainage, get the wind right. Um, but yeah, just play the wind, you know, yeah. and just kind of keep in mind where they're at. I don't try to go too far. I just try to make sure that I get the prevailing wind, yep. you know, a little bit of a buffer zone, a little bit of a buffer zone. A of a buffer what, that, zone. that first night on that wallow when they didn't quite come in, we just saw mm -hmm. the, the legs of that one bull kind of tapered off around that wallow yep. we just dropped off that ridge right there and and slept that night so we dropped off to pull back a little bit to get the wind to go down that that uh little canyon we dropped into so i remember that specifically and then the other thing too is the day i would not have killed my bull so you asked like do i think it yeah helped? You would, i wouldn't have killed yeah. my bull if we weren't bivy style because when you killed your bull we processed your bull mm -hmm. hung out right there and I, that's we, and we, slept. we followed the herd. We literally, we literally slept. We, I slept. We literally followed the same path that that herd had taken after I'd killed my bull. And the bull that I shot was a satellite bull. Yeah. You know, the main herd bull. We just, just kept following. Just followed them. Yeah, down that evening, that yeah. afternoon, camped that night, and then the next morning we, we didn't just have followed yeah. them down the road. We didn't have to haul meat and things back yeah. to camp. We didn't. We just okay, cool. It's butchered. Like let's let's peel off and go after the herd now. And then I I remember sleeping in an elk bed between those mm -hmm. two logs that night that was one of the best nights of sleep i ever had and then that morning we woke up popped right up on top of the ridge and then there was the there was the herd right yeah. there yeah. i mean it literally yes it helped absolutely it helped because yeah. i'm just thinking all the energy expenditure that you guys are saving when you're doing that style like you said you're going you're working in a herd all day all of a sudden you get way back there maybe your camp's now three miles away yeah and you're like shoot well we we left our camp back there and now we're already over here three miles away. Now we have to go back in the dark Yeah, to go we, back to camp, wasted energy. We talked to a guy. Do you remember that guy? Absolutely. And you, and you told me, you said that his problem is he's going back to camp every night. And I'm like, yeah, yeah since you've shown me this, like th there's no other way to do this. Like that this was one of it. the first things that guy told me. He's like, I just can't, I can't stay in him. He's like, I'm just, um, and a lot of people, you know, whether you like it or not, they're a little bit afraid of the dark. They yeah, because you have to hike long distances in the morning. They then. don't want to hike three miles or four miles back to camp in, in the, the dark. dark. Yeah. And because they don't want to do that, they'll leave an mm -hmm. hour before dark when it's like yep. prime time to get back to their camp. So they're not hiking, you know, that three miles in the, you know, pitch black trying to navigate it. And I think you, you miss out. You miss out on like that golden, you know, yeah. 45 minutes. And just minutes. the energy expenditure. I mean, it's, it's not walking a paved road. I mean, this yeah. is like you're walking three miles in the shit yeah. to now get mm -hmm. on the elk and go chase elk. Like yeah. when we were waking up, mm -hmm. it was right there. Because I, I feel like this is a big gold nugget here. Like this all makes sense if you really break it down and think about I it. I mean, you're he, in elk longer. Yeah. You're in the animals. Energy expenditure you're saving. Yeah. More time you can sleep. There's probably you can find water really easy because you're walking around. You're marking all these water sources. You're going to have yeah. water right where you're camping. Like, like I've all said that before, too, be. it's, it's unfair that you guys and you, some of these guys we have in here, we just get to talk every single day. So it's kind of like you're an expert just by conversation. And that's what you and I were talking. You're like, no, here's, here's you know, get this, baby, do this. Here's how it's going to work. So I was super comfortable going into it because I yeah. knew what to expect. And I, I loved sleeping with my head out. I loved yeah, me too. I love the stars. It. I, the stars, to the stars. I absolutely loved it. Fell in love with it. Like that is, that is 
the go-to for me now if I were to ever do it again. No question. Is, is there a time of year that switches? Is that just use baby sack through the early part of September, mid? What about if it gets towards that late part of September, maybe that early October elk hunt style? We would, would, you, would, you, would you rotate right? that setup or continue it? I think once you start to uh, – like I, I took the same system to Montana on a hunt that was like early October, and we got dumped on. We got like uh, – I don't know, six, eight inches of snow and it sucked. I could see that. <laughs> it totally sucked, you know? So I would say once you started to get and it can happen. I mean, you can have a September snowstorm. I've had that. I, I mean, I remember hunting elk one time in Wyoming with a bow. It was the last week of September and we had single digits and we had five or six inches of snow and it sucked, Yeah, you know? So I would say early season, you're talking like early September through, you know, <laughs> mid September, even the end of September, and just kind of pay attention to the weather, you know. I, 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 it's definitely more beneficial when the weather's better. Would this be a situation, maybe, if you're, you know, the weather could be iffy, you're traveling a long distance, would you ever bring two shelters on a hunt and let's say halfway leave to the hunt? Leave one in the truck. Yeah, leave yeah. one of the trucks. Situation changes mm -hmm. when you have to go back, maybe relocating areas or resupply gear, you would have two shelters with you? Yeah, I almost always have an extra shelter in my truck just in case. I, I always... In fact, I always bring an extra sleeping bag even just because I don't want to unpack my backpack that's when I get a, to the trailhead. That's what I was hoping we'd dive into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I pull up to the trailhead. Let's say it's you know dark and I don't want to pack in that night. I don't want to unpack my backpack. I want to get sleeping? up and go in the morning, so I'll just throw out my sleeping bag and an extra shelter. So I always have an extra shelter, extra sleeping bag, yep. extra pad. I mean, I always have an extra pad in my truck because you get you know a hole in them or something that's, like yeah. that, and yeah. you know you're you don't want to be on a ten day hunt without a sleeping pad. So yeah. I always have extras in my in my truck. Yeah, because I'm sure you're very similar to how you pack a backpack to how I back, pack a backpack. All my sleeping bag, my shelter is at the bottom of my bottom backpack. Yeah. So you get there late at night. Everything's already dialed. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to take all that stuff out and pitch next to your truck. Well, now in the morning, you have to wake up even earlier. That shelter that you now took out could have condensation all over. It could have rained on it. Yeah. So now that, that shelter is heavier because now you have to pack it all in there wet to mm -hmm. then go out in a hunt where if you had an extra shelter, it's a tarp to pitch out, another sleeping bag at your truck. Like, yeah. Trail is the most unorganized, organized <laughs> person I have ever hunted with. Have you seen his truck? Dude, he, you we- You see it now, it's dialed. It, we, uh, <laughs> we pull, the first night we get we get up in there, that first night of that hunt, and it is an absolute fucking garage sale it's of yeah, gear. It's, it's a yard sale. Everywhere. I don't- Basically I don't, the go-hunt gear shopping run yes, out of the truck. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, nothing's in bags. Everything's just loose and out there. But he, I mean- I'm, like, I'm kind of giving him shit. Well, next thing I know, we wake up in the morning. He's ready to go five minutes before me. I, I how did up, you do? I have like, to get up early. Uh, I don't. I don't use like a lot of organization bags. I have like a kill kit, and then I've got a like a you know loose bag with you know just stuff that I need. Possible's pouch, I guess they call it, right? So I have those two, and then uh, food. I put my food, you know, day by day, packed in a, a gallon Ziploc. But I don't put those all in like one bag. They're, they're those loose. Are, those are all yeah. loose. They're and loose. Then, yeah, any extra clothing or anything like that I have, I don't really carry stuff sacks for those or anything. Game bags, I usually just tuck like in a you know loose spot, and it just allows me to stuff everything in my backpack. Yeah, our, not, our systems are the same. Like I I, I've, I've read some of the YouTube comments, and I get poke fun a lot. Like, oh, when you talk about your backpack packing videos, all you're doing is stuffing things here and stuffing things there. And it's like, yeah, I'm filling all these air pockets with extra clothes. Yeah. They're not going in dry sacks because then that's a big pocket. Then there's going to be another dry sack next to it with yeah. air pockets. And then my backpack ends up getting bigger. Well, if I can just shove everything in there, like you're saying, yeah. it I, works. For whatever reason, mentally, I'm, I just, I like the, 
the bag organization. Yeah, I don't know. It's like just where my mind goes. And the joke ended up being on me because I'm giving him shit for the yard sale. I'm like, bro, this is really. I don't <laughs> know. You're just nice. You, you've got everything in uh, nice little uh, compartments. And that's just where my just, mind. All your food was in one bag. Yeah, that's just where my mind goes. I like pulling a bag out and knowing what it is and mm-hmm. setting it down. I, it's just. But honestly, like I, I lose time comparative i lost time to him every morning getting all my shit situated when he would just stuff stuff in yeah Mm -hmm. i have places in my backpack that i i put everything the exact same time every day like Mm -hmm. i have a pocket for my headlamp i know that yeah my headlamp goes in that pocket it's just habit over time you know i've got a hip belt pouch i know exactly what goes in that so that's kind of how i i tackle it Mm -hmm. i did want to one thing that popped up like as i was thinking about our hunt in new mexico that we did uh, is camping, sleeping in burned areas. It's mm, good consideration. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> what do you guys do? I look at those trees and I look at which ones might fall. And I'm very cautious of where I'm pitching my shelter because that wind picks up and you're in a burn. Could be a scary situation. Yeah, scary. Yeah. Like had some... you have to really watch out where you pitch your shelter in a burn. Yeah. Totally off topic, and I'm sorry for this, but the same thing. Did you guys see the Masters, the three trees? Oh, yeah, I watched that. Dude, holy no. shit. You know, big Come, Georgia fell, Pines fell down. down there in Come Augusta. Down. During play, the patrons, everybody, three of them, thank God, nobody. I mean, it was, yeah. like, close, though. This but last, that's it. It's sleeping in a yeah. burn, man. That That's no joke. This last year in Utah, Kayam and I, the camera guy, it, daily, like, Five to seven trees. You'd, Ball. Yeah, you'd yeah. see them because the old burn area, and you'd just be sitting there and all of a sudden crash. You know, you yep. hear that thing come down. Um, I remember an elk hunt in Arizona, late season hunt I did. I was camped in a burn. Wind picked up in the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, three in the morning, I had probably a 60 foot dug fur come down within 45 uh, yards of me and like shake the ground, you know, got up. I packed everything up to the top of the ridge and got out of there. in the middle of the night. But, um, typically what I try to do, like you're saying, you try to evaluate the trees, look analyze at them, them, analyze them, look at them to see how much lean yeah. they might have, which direction they might go. But one thing I try to do, it's the reason I, I like a bivy sack is that you don't, you know, like a traditional tent or even a tarp when you pitch it, you've got a pretty good you know footprint, right? You mm-hmm. have to have like a certain width and length of a spot that you can put it. Nice thing about bivy sacks is they're so narrow. I mean, they're essentially, you know, the width of your shoulders a lot of times I'll try to put that down between two downed big <clears> trees, <throat> like in a flat spot. So I've got, you know, a buffer so where it falls. So something falls, it's going to hit those two logs and not just smash me in half. Yeah. So I try to do that quite yeah, a bit. I'm always yeah. looking at the tops of the trees. If they break at the top or they break down low, will that tree fall and hit on me? Yeah. Where's a good spot to go? And then if I'm pitching it near something else, I'm looking at those branches up above, those smaller yeah. ones that maybe four inches, like those in a crack and fall down on me. Yeah, like you have to have a lot of consideration. I don't know if this works at all, but I like to give a couple of nice little shoulder push just to just to see. <laughs> just just to see you, know, you know, I just little little you know come off the off the line. Do you ever go full tail like back to high school? No, just, <laughs> no. But I just <laughs> hit the just pads. for mental. I don't know, just like a little mental thing, just to see if you know. Yeah, but that is a consideration. I never used to. I never used to lose sleep over that. Hardly ever thought about it. I've slept in some places that I had no business sleeping in just fine all night long, but now it'll keep me awake at night if I don't think about it. Yeah. Food for thought, huh? That is a really good consideration. Let's move into like floorless and why. Yes, sir. This is Brady's realm. This is my jam. Why, uh, why floorless? What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? Because it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) And And end of story. Plain and simple. If you don't chew big red. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's just so versatile. 
I mean, all the benefits of a Florida shelter are just come down into big space inside, plenty of room to move around. Um, yes, you do need a bigger like area to pitch it. But when I have a florist shelter and I buy one with a stove jack, it is very versatile for all year. It's literally what they say, four season shelters. And I can use that summer scouting. I can pack it super ultra light like the Cimarron or a little bug out and I can not take the pole with me. I can find a tree when I'm out there, break it, find the right mm-hmm. height or if I have a saw, cut a saw, pitch that up. And I know I have a backcountry palace. It's basically the Taj Mahal of the backcountry. I have all my gear laid out every morning. Everything's nice and organized. If, you know, super quick to pitch, super quick to take down. And that stove is going to add so much, you know, benefit on the mental game as well. When I know I'm back there, if it rains, downpours, and I still have to hunt, I'm not going to want to go back to my shelter. Like, I'm going to get soaked. Sure, I have rain gear. Sure, I have all that gear. But, like, I want to have the ability to dry off at night. Mm -hmm. That's a big factor with being able to stay out there and hunt longer periods of time instead of getting that mental drain of, oh, now I have to go back to my tiny shelter. All my gear's wet. I can't dry anything off. My boots are frozen. Would you use floorless without a stove? I do a lot, actually, yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. Why? Just because, again, the space, and I, it can, I can pitch it easy. I just like laying on the ground with a little ground sheet, correct my sleeping pad, and just throw it up. And wait, save wait, weight. We'll save weight. Like in the summer scouting, a lot of times, I, like I said, I'll take that little bug out. I feel like that's a perfect little shelter. Sure, there's other great options, too, but that's just what I own, and I'm going to continue to use it. Yeah. And it just works well for me. I mean, there's no denying the size like the the square footage to weight ratios in the mm-hmm. floor, there's no denying that. But like what we were talking about earlier, the bugs of this, of that, all that stuff. Like you don't do. You, would you ever draw the line in the in the floorless? I the, the snakes. The, the big Snake, yeah. Like the, is there the, a line to that the you big draw? negative? So Trail and I are going on a, a Barbary sheep hunt mm-hmm. here. We're going to Texas. Um, I was like, hey, do I bring my floorless? And I'm thinking like, okay, there's gonna be a lot of snakes. Tarantulas too. Yeah, so that's the situation. <laughs> those not poisonous though. I know, but those scare me more than the snakes. <laughs> so that's the situation where we've already, we've already been talking and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna bring my floorless. I'm gonna bring the Sky Air ULT. And what, what was the line in the sand for it? What was it? Snakes. Okay. That seems sketchy to me. Yeah. Have a little rattler come crawling up yep. to get some warmth that night next to you. <laughs> but it is something that's hard to grasp, but like spring bear hunting, I love a floral shelter. I went back and forth for a while and now I'm fully sold on florists because, well, the downside is ticks. That was just gonna ask you. you are did, literally, doesn't cross your mind, ticks doesn't cr- cross your mind. literally hunting with ticks all day. Yeah. Like sure, people will say, oh yeah, spray your clothes. Well, I freaking spray my clothes, but you guys don't realize when you're hiking around, these ticks are falling on you from vegetation. Yeah. They're not yeah. just crawling up on you. So you're gonna have ticks on you no matter if you spray your clothes down or not. So you're hunting with ticks all day, picking them off and burning them. Sending them back to where they belong. <laughs> um, and then at night, you're living with ticks. So you will have ticks crawling on you at night, which is a very gross thought. That's but you will just thought. have it and you will deal with it. And yes, there is bad things about ticks. So you have to really check yourself every single day. Do you but, have a, do, a partner you, check? <laughs> yeah, do you guys do that? You, you Neville oh. when you've hunted together? Oh, yeah. We pull up our shirts and Neville check my back out. I'll check his shirts? back out. What? Just your shirts? <laughs> just, yeah. just the shirts. Yeah, do you never the... ever got buck naked in front of each other? No, we, just, we, like, go, we go up, we go up to the side. I you drop my pants. You crannies? What are we yeah, checking? Well, I'm, I'm dropping those by myself. <laughs> okay. But the back area, like areas that you can't feel because you're buying a harness and you have your clothes on the back, like that's where you're going to get some ticks yeah. on your like shoulder blades and stuff like that. So that's the only like 
big downside to a floorless is yeah you have the insects side. that's always and, my my thing is the ticks and uh i will say one thing too that really surprised me so it was on a hunt a muzzleloader hunt in utah quite a few years ago camping and all of a sudden at night i'm like in my shelter dealing with all my stuff and it was you know raining outside and all of a sudden i looked i had a scorpion Oof. Oh, in my shelter in no utah. way yeah Huh. Ooh. So that's another thing too you have to watch out for. So I looked at that scorpion for a while, took a bunch of pictures of him. He was just being a little chill, hanging on my glove. And I was like, yep, you're dying. <laughs> and I smashed that thing with the rock. But like, that's the thought as well. Like scorpions while you're camping in some of these high desert situations with the mm. floorless, Never thought you can that. have a little creepy crawlers crawling on you. Mm. But again, though, if I'm the person right now, let's say I, you know, don't work at Go Hunt. I'm just getting into this backpack thing and I want one shelter for multiple different hunts, I'm going to lean someone possibly towards the floorless because it's so versatile. Yeah. Because I can use that in early season. Yes, you have to watch out where you might pitch it, like we're talking earlier, the high country mule there stuff. So that might not be the best situation for that. But if you're going to go elk hunting, go on a nice camp, hunting with you and your friend, you can split up that gear. And then later on, you can be like, well, I'm going to start backpacking in October or late October. And now we're going to deal with some snowy conditions. It's going to get cold or even backpacking in November. That one shelter is going to cover you in so many different seasons and be very, very versatile because those shelters are expensive. Yeah, like yeah buying yeah. a floorless shelter with a stove is a big investment, but I feel like I can get by with a lot of different hunts. And like we said, we can just go in the gym longer, get a little stronger to hold it, or lose some weight to be able to pack that little heavier thing, to whatever we want to do with it. Yeah, but it's so versatile. And then, like I said, when we get into that late season, when I have to use a stove, most people know my crazy hunts that I go on. I I pray for snow. Because snow is going to allow me to camp in places where there's no water. That's going to eliminate horse hunters. That's going to eliminate guys who need water every single day that don't have a stove. Well, I can just melt that snow for water. Mm-hmm. Sure, that water's going to taste like pine needles. I can get over Better that. Better than elk piss. Better than elk <laughs> piss. But I can camp in places other people can't potentially camp. Or if they have horses, they can't be on that ridge for very long because they're going to have to ride, off, ride down lower, yeah. water their horses, feed their horses where I'm well rested. I don't have to wake up early every day. I can camp right on a ridge, wake up in the morning in glass. I could open my shelter, glass from my shelter if I wanted to, if the weather's really nasty. And having that stove there, I can dry everything off, melt the water, save fuel in my fuel canister, but not having to melt the snow in my fuel canister. Have that mental break of everything's dry, I'm super comfortable, it's Africa hot. You know, I use the term Africa hot all the time on those hunts. It's Africa hot. You can literally get down it's to a t-shirt. It's funny every time he says it. It know, is, too. I, Yeah, he's never Just not to s- hear Brady yeah, say, man, it was Africa hot. Whenever he said it, it, it hits every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ringer. The, the only downside is with some of these you know, lightweight <laughs> shelters is they don't hold heat for very long. So you do have to do your justice every night. You have to do your chores. Yeah. You have to plan out, okay, my water situation. You take care of that. Next, I have to cut a bunch of wood. Well, it snowed eight inches while I was hunting. All the wood's wet. All right, now I have to realize, okay, where do I get dry wood? You have to have that woodsmanship to know, okay, go underneath the tree. Underneath yeah. the tree's all protected. I'm going to grab all these little small sticks. Start really small. Work your way up. Cut some stuff. Bring in your shelter. Have all those sticks start drying out that night while you're in there. For the next day, you're golden. So make sure you grab a ton of wood the first night. Let all stuff dry off. Yeah. Allows me to hunt in places. It is, it is versatile. There's no question about it. It is so versatile, and that the space for me, I, I I've just I've grown to love the space. Yep. They're, yeah, they're those the are the, like the tangibles that people don't really think about. Is space yeah. just the space ability? Is nice. I mean, if you talk about the sim, the seek outside Cimarron, it's six foot ten in the middle. Mm-hmm. You can stand up and get dressed in the morning, yeah, it's which so is nice. kind of nice. I mean, the same thing on some of uh, you know any shelter, whether you're talking double wall or floorless, the ability to you know sit up. 
get dressed, read yep. a book, move around a little bit, you know? It's so nice. Wait, I can wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and, you know, I can have another cup of coffee by this, that fire's going. I can just set my cup on there. It'll start keeping it warm while I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. But the one downside to a floorless system on a late season hunt with a stove is you might not want to go out in the elements because it's so nice and warm in your shelter. So you're like, oh yeah, like, should we wake up this early and go out? <laughs> or should we wait another 45 minutes? Yeah. Now it's light out and you're not getting your you're on a camping spot. trip. You're on a camping trip at that point. A glamping trip. Glamping. So that's something to consider as well. Like it, you could be forced to stay in there longer. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh, let me just get a little warmer before yeah. we go out there. It's so versatile. But then I you're also, you're also having to deal with, because sure. I've done that. It's a, sing, it's a single wall shelter. So you will have condensation to deal with mm-hmm. all the time. And that's something that's very hard to mitigate. Mm-hmm. A lot of these shelters have different ways you can pitch them. You can pitch it up a little bit to let more draft underneath there. But if it's yeah. raining and snowing, you want to pitch that lower. And I bank all those sidewalls in yeah. with snow to pretend all that snow from coming in. And so then, you know, after a long time at night, when you shut off your stove, you're breathing in the air. All that, yeah. all your breath is going to freeze on the outside. That condensation is going to build up. So in the morning when you wake up, you hit the sidewall you have ice falling on you yeah. or if your shelter's too small and you're a seven foot dude you know your sleeping Brady bag Miller. is gonna be sleeping yeah. bags gonna be hitting one side your foot's gonna be sitting the other side so you're gonna wake up with your sleeping bag soaked yeah but again you have that stove you can dry it off so, so you'll have to realize so that how do you deal with it crank up that stove try to keep everything away from the sidewalls or you can also carry a little shamwow towel in the backcountry. Do you ever you, do that I have done it before on the scouting trips. I usually don't take that in late season because I just have the stove there and mm-hmm. I have all my clothes. But early season, I can just wipe it down, get rid of all that condensation. Watch out where you pitch it. You know, don't pitch it next to a little pond or something like that because then that's going to add more moisture in the air and you probably have more condensation. But just try to draft it, pick up some of those sides, maybe not crack the door all the way down, just let some airflow in there to try to you know mitigate yeah. condensation as best you can. Because like I said, it'll be dripping on you. But yeah. while you're in there What's at that? night, you'll have drips coming down. What's that eight-person seek? What's that one called? The eight-man TP. Yeah, it's just called the A-Man TV. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's what I brought on my brother's high country Colorado hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a recipe for terrible condensation just overall. Super hot the day before. Massive um, temperature swings. Huge temperature swing. The and then a crazy torrential downpour. Yep. And we had four guys in it. It was me, Blake, uh, Heat Jr., and Clay. And talk about condensation. Holy shit. But that's shit. when it sucks. It, Condensation's We woke thing. up that morning. I didn't, I didn't bring a stove because the temperatures were... You know, it was, it was first of, of September. I mean, it was it was nice out. Yeah. Um, temperature wasn't an issue, but like just the perfect recipe for condensation, dude. We were we were soaked. We were yeah, like it'll, it'll absolutely rain. soaked. It'll rain inside your tent. It was raining, literally like dripping as we're trying to sleep. Raining inside mm-hmm. the tent. That's I'm why like, early season I like a double wall tent because you've got that dead airspace between the mesh and then the rain fly, and yeah. you get any condensation kind of builds up. I mean, you you don't really typically have a lot of condensations issues with a double wall tent versus a single wall tent that's why that's why i typically tell people you know floorless sure you know with without a stove you know maybe depending on the time of year but i for me the real advantages of a floorless shelter are is the stove yep that's what to, it to use on. in conjunction with the stove because once you got a stove nicer. in it you can, you can warm that thing up i mean i have an antelope pond i took one on i took the red cliff on an antelope yeah. pond same thing you get these afternoon downpours all the ground would be wet next morning sun would come out and it'd be 90 just, degrees and it would just i mean it was yeah. raining inside and it wasn't 
it wasn't really an issue of like, I mean, if you bumped up against it, you were wet, but it was actually like dripping, raining on your sleeping bag. That's how it was know? for us. And, and that sucked. Um, and that can be a problem depending yeah. on the and time And for us in the high country, it was just cold enough to matter when you got wet. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't cold enough to think to bring. I, sh- I definitely should have brought a stove in hindsight, like no question about it. But yeah. it was just cold enough to be like, man, this really sucks being wet right now. Yeah. You know. And, and then again, going back to floorless, well, a lot of these shelters have the ability to be modular again. So you can mm-hmm. put some of them a half nest. Mm-hmm. So you can have the half nest on one side. So if you want to avoid the creepy crawlers, yeah. you can have that half nest set up. And the other side can be open for your gear. So maybe you have family members who want to go hunting with you or camping with you. Like a nest could be a great way to then have one shelter where you put the full nest in there and then now you can have your kids, your wife, whatever it may be in your shelter with you and make that, you know, an investment that you can afford then because mm-hmm. you can use it on family camping trips or whatever. I feel like it's very beneficial that way because there's so many different options to use it. I don't really think like after everything starts to freeze, you get a hard freeze at night when it gets that cold. I don't really notice condensation being an issue. Like you'll Mm -hmm. have it built up, you'll, but it's, but it's frosted over Yep. and it's really only an issue is if you brush up against it. And for the most part, you're already dressed. You've got your layers on you brush up against it. No big deal. You're out the door and you're hunting. It doesn't really become an issue of like soaking out your gear on the inside. Most of the time, if it does warm up enough, it just kind of runs down to the edge of the tent and you mm-hmm. don't have an issue but um yeah like you're saying i i, I like i like a floorless shelter late season and i like it in conjunction with the stove mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you have some have some thought to you like, like i said where you pitch where it you pitch like it. a lot of people think oh it's gonna be downpouring rain out is that rain gonna come in there well no it really doesn't it goes off to the side unless you're pitching in a depression where that rain's it's gonna come gonna down sit, and then go yeah. in so you have to think of that a little bit but for the most part it's bomb proof. And like, even these late seasons when, okay, I'm hiking up there, it's snow everywhere. Well, I have a stove now and you know, that Florida shelter, sure. I'm going to be camping in the snow, but I can kick all that snow away start clearing off that area and try to take some, you know, a tree branch with some whatever more branches on it. Use that as like a yeah. broom, broom a bunch of that snow away, crank that stove going. And eventually I'm going to start drying off that whole area of my shelter. So by day three, a shelter on the inside yeah. is going to be dry. It might be a little bit muddy, but eventually it's going to dry up to the point where, okay, I can lay my other clothes out on the yeah. side. I can lay my backpack. Nothing's going to get dirty. And then, you know, at night, even if I want to take my rifle in there and my rifle had a bunch of snow on it and now it's frozen in the action, I can yep. start to dry some you're, of that stuff off. You're speaking off. exactly Brandon and I's experience in our Idaho backcountry hunt. That's mm-hmm. exactly what we did. Yep. That is a good point that you bring up with mud. I mean, it might be a little bit annoying to have, you know, muddy or wet conditions but it's in a lot of ways it's actually it's kind of nice because you, you get back to your tent at night you don't have to take your boots off outside and yep. you know shimmy right your in. way into your tent you just walk right in mm-hmm. sit down on your sleeping bag or whatever it is you've got for a seat your glassing pad you you peel off your boots and you're protected and i've had a number of times where i've hiked back to you know my tent a floorless shelter late season it's snowing or raining you know, rather than sit outside and get drenched more, you just walk in and you're, walk you're, in. you're starting the process to dry out. You start your stove and away you go. Mm-hmm. And then a really beneficial thing too is even on some of these hunts where it might be raining a lot, well, the way some of these shelters are pitched, you know, you want to pitch them so they're, you know, pretty good angle so the water's dripping down and it's pretty tight. But sometimes if you might pitch it a little bit bad in one corner because the hill's a little bit different, you might have a little swoop in your shelter. Mm-hmm. That's going to pick up a bunch of water. So you have free water. So then I go outside grab my little Nalgene or whatever I have, a platypus, and I'll stick on the downside, lift that one side up, that water's going to go drain right into my my bladder. Yeah. So now I have free water. Or when I'm in the shelter too, all that Without snow's going to... elk piss in it. Yeah. It's always nice. Or the, <laughs> no, the snow's going to start... You don't like drinking elk piss? Oh, That's I mean. what I picked up from this podcast. Uh, Brady, I mean, Lorenzo is... 
is not about that not not about that piss life but then too i can just open the doors when it's snowing i can grab my little cup scoop a bunch of snow yeah set it right in the stove start melting snow it's very very handy having do you pack shelter. anything? Do you put your sleeping bag on anything? What's your process for your sleeping so bag in, a, inside a floorless shelter? Do you put it on a ground cloth, a bivy sack? What yeah, do you I have an old uh, Tyvek sheet that mm-hmm. I use, and it's been beat up so many years that it's very pliable. But another way you could do it, you can just like you know throw in the wash, throw in the dryer, whatever, to kind of break up the material and make it a little bit softer. But I have it just cut to the exact um, length and width that I need to, to put underneath there to protect my pad and to protect my sleeping bag a little bit. And that way it's just on there all the time. So I'm off the mud, off the snow mm-hmm. and it works really well. But one thing I will notice that was one of my hunts back in the day, um, camera guy and I were in one shelter and Seth used to work for us. Yep. He was in another shelter. So we had a bunch of our gear in uh Seth's shelter because he was just one person. We each had little bug outs. <laughs> you just dumped all your gear on Seth. <laughs> yeah, because his was a you know a palace, and I you're in a grizzly I'd, bear area, and you put all your food in Seth's tent. <laughs> yes, yes, that I'll was go smart. Sleep over here, you <laughs> get all food. So all of, a, all of a sudden, we woke up at night, and we we're like, oh, it's freezing cold. Like we were camped up at like eleven thousand on a second season hunt. Like, do we need to start a fire? And I'm like, oh shoot, all of our fire starting stuff is over in Seth's shelter. So we le- we had a bunch of little sticks, like even our you know the. Vaseline soap, cotton balls, toilet paper, everything was over in his shelter. I'm like, well, he's sleeping right now. I'm not going to wake him up. So I was like, what do, we, what, do we have in our shel- what do we have in our shelter that we can burn right now to help start this fire? Because I was struggling because my hands were really cold and we just wanted to start that fire. I thought of this re- thing. I was like, well, dude, I have this ground cloth. I can just cut this and burn it. It's Tyvek. It's, it's meant to be wrapped around a house to prevent your house from, from burning a little <laughs> bit. And so I tried cutting off a bunch of my Tyvek didn't try to use that. No, did not do anything <laughs> at all. So yes, so right now I still have a big slit, like a big little half moon shape cut out of my Tyvek that I tried to burn at one point because it will not burn. You cannot use it as fire starter. <laughs> so that was kind of uh, funny. Talk a little bit real quick, just because I get this question quite a bit, is burn time on a stove? Yeah, it's not a lot. Not a lot. What no. would you say realistically? Realistically, maybe you can get a little over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Is that burn and warmth or like what would you say is like the total time frame from like you start a fire in it, you to where you're like back to being cold in the tent mm, maybe maybe two hours two hours two hours yeah is that with a medium stove large that's with stove? a medium stove yeah medium which is smaller yeah yep and right now i have the u-turn which is even smaller gotcha so it also depends on to what type of wood you got is your wood really wet is it really dry is it the type of wood that's going to last a bit longer or is it you know you can't really burn you know aspens and birch very well but like is it yeah. the wood quality is also going to like how hard it is, how long it'll burn. Yeah. So what I like to do is start a fire, get all the little small sticks going, you know, get it to the point where I can start throwing some bigger stuff. So I increase the size of the sticks I throw in there. And then right away when I'm, you know, eating food, it's Africa hot. Like literally the, the stove <laughs> is that. So by that point is yeah. literally. Vegas hot. Sto- Vegas the hot. stove there is literally go. red. It's just beet red because mm-hmm. it's so hot. And then right before we get to bed, I start shoving in all the logs in there because now I have a good coal base. You can't just start shoving everything in right away. It's just not going to have enough airflow. So I start slowly stacking it up. And then at night, I'll just stack it full of wood, um, open up the vents a little bit in there to let that wood start burning. And maybe two hours, two and a half hours, it's yeah. it's all gone and, and cold again. So it's not – and again, these are single-wall shelters, either Dyneema, you know, Sil Nylon, so poly, whatever the material might be, it's not going to hold in that heat like you would think like a wall tent would. So wall tent, you know, you let that thing rock and that heat's going to hold in there. That stove's yeah. out, the stove box is obviously a lot bigger too. So your heat is dissipating through the air, through your shelter. And so you're not actually, you can't just 
you know, say, oh, I'm going to load it up at night and in the morning there'll be coals still in there. No, those coals are completely gone. Like some of those nights where it got really cold, like on that uh, Below Zero hunt where I killed the other giant deer. Oh, it was cold on the film we named Below, below Zero. zero. Below <laughs> Zero, yeah, who'd have thought? Was it Below Zero? It was Below Zero. It was, negative five, it was negative five in a town down below with the weather. So, so it was like, warmer up where you were at. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely warmer. Definitely you lose, warmer. what, three degrees every thousand Ten degrees feet you climb. at least. So, yeah, it was, it was really cold. So we were lighting that that fire multiple times and I was a guy who was waking up multiple Doing times throughout it, the yeah. night to get you didn't make Neville do it? You know, he's, he's younger, you know, <laughs> he needs his sleep and beauty rest because he's, you know, has that nice be- hair. Because he's beautiful. That yeah. nice hair. It's the most punchable rest. face he's in the industry yeah. according to that one article. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like you, you are, if like, if it's a really cold situation, you will have to stoke that more. But the benefit to the stove, I don't have to carry a zero degree bag. Yeah. So I'm also saving some weight there. Sure, the stove is going to add a little bit of weight, but if you can split that with your friend and you don't both need zero-degree bags, you can probably get – most of the time I do a 15-degree Stone Glacier Chill Coop, mm-hmm. but I could probably get by with a 30-degree bag as long as I know I have wood and I'm going to be due diligence to start that stove a lot. At night, yeah. too, sometimes I just sleep and I have extra clothes with me already. Yeah. So I can put those on underneath my sleeping bag, get a good sleeping pad that has a good R value. I don't do that. I still have the Uber Light, which <laughs> – it's not probably the best for those late season, but yeah, why would you do that? Because I have the stove. Okay. So again, I'm able to sacrifice little things here because I know I have the stove. I know I have that warmth I need. Do you think if you did do a zero degree bag, good R value pad, and you let that that stove burn to get your body temperature back to to, to level, you know, back to neutral, mm-hmm. and then got in your sleeping bag zero degree, good R value? Do you think you could sleep through the night getting yep. that body warmth first? Mm-hmm. But instead, you just want to wake up and yeah, like even even like this hunt, like I did uh, the last couple of years, like that uh, one more ridge film. Like we were mm-hmm. only we weren't starting that stove in the night; we were just letting it go out, and mm-hmm. we were fine. Yeah, like, sure, it was cold in the morning when you woke up. We tried to wake up a little bit earlier, you know, maybe wake Restart. up thirty minutes before start it, so that yeah. way then you have some warmth built up in get there when you get your clothes on. You leave, yeah. yeah, so that way you're good. So like, there's different ways you could do it. Like I said, you could, like you said, bring a warmer sleeping bag, not to start yeah. it as often. That's maybe, what we did in in Idaho. That's what we did. We we just burned it to go to sleep, just to get our bodies back right to go mm-hmm. to sleep. Um, and, and eventually, I feel like you're going to fine tune your strategy and your setup. Yeah. Like you're going to realize I can get by with a 15 degree or a 30 degree bag, depending yeah. on those temperatures. If you're going to go into November, you probably want a sleeping pad, a little more R value, a little better bag. So when that does go out, you're not just freezing. But again, it's hunting. Like I always say, it's not meant to be a five-star hotel. It's no. supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable because you're testing yourself every single day, and that's the stuff that you I love. You can try and make it one, though. <laughs> you how, could, uh, and that's nice. How mobile? Just real quick, just briefly talk about setup time. So you're, I, I think your go-to, one of them has been the Cimarron, right? Cimarron. And Cimarron. So like, how long does it take you to set the Cimarron up, put together the stove? Three minutes. Three minutes for the shelter. Three minutes to set up Quick. the Simra. Okay. Because I, I like that shelter a lot because it's more of that pyramid shape. Yeah. So you just got the four corners, you stake out, put the pole up, and you're there. You're honestly you there. And then I, then I can start throwing my gear in, and then I can do the guidelines and everything else. But I can get my gear in there really, really quickly. Like do you, you can pitch pair it. the pole, your trekking poles to pitch that, or do you I, have I started, the pole? I've started to carry the carbon fiber The carbon pole. pole. Just, just because it's easy. 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 Yeah. And I know it. And then I have used the trekking pole system before I've done the little splicers you can put in the middle or I've just tried to shove them in there, mm-hmm. my little bug out. And I've actually had windstorms come up in that night. You know, we're talking about the wind mm-hmm. thing in the, in the fuller shelter. I've had my trekking pole snap. So it just doesn't, okay. It, it, doesn't it, it has too much flex in it taunt, on some yeah. of those taller ones. And like, sure, you might be able to, you know, maybe if you're, you know, backcountry woodsman, take some 
you know, sticks, put them on the yeah. side, take some P cord, try to, you know, make a splint out of it to make it a little bit stronger. If you're really bored. Yeah. If you're, if you're, you're really, really bored. bored and have nothing better to do. <laughs> but like, I think they're very, very quick. There's some other shelters, you know, that might have a little bit more angles to them or different designs that might make it a little bit easier. But that's why when I was going through that shelter Palooza thing again, like the Cimarron, obviously I know how to pitch that. I've used it so much, but like the Argali and the, uh, Hyperlite mountain gear, Hyperlite mountain gear literally probably took me a minute. I'm not joking. Mm. It was the quickest setup ever because it's literally a pyramid. Pyramid shape, four corners, pole up. It's super fast. Does it come with a pole? Do you remember? Or uh, it, or you that pit, one, no. You pitch it with uh, yeah. trekking poles? There's or, that one with trekking poles. Or just like a separate carbon yep. fiber pole? Yeah, but that's what you have to really pay attention to because there is a lot of those shelters that don't come with a pole. Yeah. They're not included. Like the Cimarron, not included. Um, the Peak Solitude, that one does include with the pole. Or Gali. Um, you get to purchase a pole separately as well. But a lot of those four ones, you, like I said, you can get by with trekking poles if you want to try to save some weight yeah, or use the pole setup. But they're super quick. But the only thing, the down, taking them down is going to be a lot more work because, like I said, I didn't talk about the stove setup time. Like that's going to be a little bit of time. And you want to have, obviously, have that stove burnt in ahead of time so it has memory. The stove pipe can roll yeah. out really nice. Um, but that, then if you're, let's say we're hunting and all of a sudden we decide to move, well, what if we cranked up that stove early in the morning? Now I have to wait for that thing to cool down before I can touch it. Mm-hmm. I don't want that thing to brush against my tent when I pull the yeah. stove pipe off and that pipe goes and hits the side of the tent and that's hot and it's to make a hole in it. So yeah. taking them down when you have a, a stove is going to add a little bit more work. It's not going to be as versatile as, you know, a freestanding shelter during those late season hunts, which I've done before, but mm-hmm. I think it's something you just have to deal with if you want a little bit added comfort and be able to dry out your stuff and have that water and gotcha. all that. But I think it's... I think it's the way to go in the late season hunt. Like there's so many hunts I would not have been able to hunt where I did without that. Like I said, you're, you're, you're not, it's not a competition always when you're hunting with other hunters, but I can go places where they can't. Yeah. I think that's the thing that a floorless shelter and stove has done is it's opened up the ability for people to backpack late season mm-hmm. or even people that can't afford a wall tent and a stove mm-hmm. yep, and the whole sure. thing to set up. I mean, you're still going to pay a, a pretty penny for, a, you know, a, a red cliff for an eight man TP and a stove. I mean, you're going to be into a thousand bucks or so. Oh yeah. Um, but it's not the price of a wall tent, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to set up. It's a lot quicker and gives you the ability to, to backpack with it if you want to. Yeah. And then the really great thing is too, a lot of these um, floorless shelters, you can get them in Dyneema. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love Dyneema just for the weight savings. It feels a little stiffer material. It doesn't sag as much when it gets wet. And you do have to baby a little bit more. It's not going to be the most burly material out there, but that weight savings. Ooh, yeah, gosh. you do save a ton of weight. And it just looks good. Like when I I'm sitting the there looking Dyneema at my looks. shelter yeah. and a bunch of snow <laughs> around and that's Dyneema. You just, think you look sexier in it? Oh, man. For you sure. Hunt, you man. hunt harder. Come on. You hunt harder with a good-looking shelter. You wake up better looking? <laughs> I, I, struggle with, I struggle with that. <laughs> I love when Brady wakes up. Yeah. That scene in Into Thin Air. Is the hair is always crazy. My glasses, oh, I, I always have a broken frame and on just, one side. It's broken frame, hair is erect, and then you just wake up, look out, what's up? So, and then you just pour your shoe out. Yeah. I love it. Can you think of a situation when you would use like more of a traditional tent on a late season hunt? And what type of hunt can you think of? Um, maybe some of those crazy, crazy... Um, late season mountain goat hunts. That's what I was thinking. I see when, some guys using some late season. The, the, the BC late yeah, season stuff. Yeah, BC season late. You know, or you, if you have maybe a hunt in like Montana, you know, you drew a mountain goat tag and it goes through 
you know, into November. Like, yeah, you'll see some guys with those Hilleberg black label tents, super yep. burly, heavy duty, double wall, because a lot again, of protection. Because again, you're going to want that wind protection if you're camping mm-hmm. on the ridge lines with the goats. There's not going to be a lot of wood up there. All that wood's going to be snow ghosted over with tons of moisture on it from all that snow caked up. You're not going to have a lot of wood availability. Mm-hmm. That wind protection is going to be huge. And that late season, like, Sure, you can't dry off at night, but you're going to be carrying some extra clothes. You're going to be yeah. at, you yeah. know, puffy pants, extra puffy jackets, giant mittens, giant boots. Like your gear will be slightly different, but I think that's the hunt where you might, you know, not want to floor this for. What was your sleep setup on your go hunt? Uh, yeah, we took a red cliff. Yeah, but we we camped at eleven two. We had some timber. We took the red cliff in a stove, and uh, then we were hiking up, and I shot that goat at like thirteen two. Yeah. We were kind of like in a little basin, a lot of a lot of weather protection. We weren't up exposed. I mean, we were in you know some timber, so it was oh, nice. It worked out pretty good. We had enough room, like I said, for three people: me and Branson and a camera guy. Did you burn the stove a lot? Uh, we didn't because we were only there for what two nights, three nights, I guess. So we we really didn't, and it wasn't it wasn't ultra cold. And we went in October. I think the following. I think I killed that goal on a Monday and I think the following Friday they got like 18 inches of yeah, snow. Right yeah, you we were, went on those dates because yeah, of the snow. Yeah, yeah, I wanted it. But um, yeah, it, wasn't, it didn't get too cold. It was kind of an anomaly that year. But I mean, not every goat hunt is like that one. You yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> I think you're talking like November, December, yeah, real late real season. Late ones. Yeah, real yeah. brutal. Yeah, my, my dad killed the mountain goat in BC 2015, I think it was. And he, he bivouacked. Mm-hmm. They literally glassed a goat up from way down below hiked all the way up there with just sleeping bag, baby sack. And they literally pounded down the snow with their snowshoes, Holy packed shit. it in. They knew that next morning that was their best way to kill. And they're not going to bring a big shelter up there. It's just the one night. Sure. They suffered up there that night, but they literally camped on the snow, put their glassing pads down as insulation. And wow. Bib That's sack a man right bag there. And, and yeah, the next crazy. morning woke up and killed a goat. So like there is ways to still do it in those late season hunts. Sure. You're going to be cold. Yeah, mm-hmm. but again, that's a cool story you can tell that later cool on story. that you went up there, bivouacked it out. Just I'm more goat. of a man than you are, kind of story, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if there's any other hunts where you know I'd say that's a good switch. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think for, to think. for for you, for me, for most people, I mean, your bread and butter. You're talking antelope, mule deer, elk, and you know, late season mule deer and elk. I think this type of shelter is pretty much everything that you need, right? Yep. And there's, there's and never been anything I've been limited on of where I can, you know, sure. I have to think about where I'm going to pitch it because mm-hmm. it's a bigger footprint. But again, ridge lines, hunting mule deer, October, November, there's going to be some timber. The bucks are in the timber. You yeah. know, you I'm know. shocked. There hasn't been more pitch and tent jokes going on in this podcast. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> I've been waiting. We've said it so many times. There's been no jokes on pitch and tents. <laughs> we're we're I mean, serious. I had some other in mind, but I'm trying to hold it back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, okay, I, I, just to close out, I guess, I think we've kind of ran through the bulk of it, but I, I just was going to run through kind of some of my favorites. You can maybe just suggest some of yours if you have some on the top of mind. Mm-hmm. So I would say for me, you know, I'm talking early season high country meal there. I've already mentioned the Enon. I like the Tiger Wall too uh, for kind of a freestanding, easy to pitch high country early season tent. And then, you know, bivy sacks, I really like the Bavana rack. <laughs> From from uh, Hilleberg, wear it. Yeah, so the Bavanarak from Hilleberg is actually like a wearable raincoat. That's the length of a bivy sack, so you can sleep inside that thing. But it's got arms and a hood, so you can wear it for rain gear, which I have done. It really reminds me of those like scary Halloween movies, like 
scarecrow style. Yeah. Like. yeah, that's what it looks like pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It looks like, uh, yeah, Scream. It looks like that dude. Yep. Or like I always say, like it looks like a Dementor from Harry Potter. And I know Brady's a big Harry Potter. I have nerd. no clue what that is. That's yeah, well, right Brady, over my Brady head. Yeah, he can draw I'm one surprised you know what that is. Oh, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Really? Yeah, I've read all the books, seen oh, the movies. Oh, shit, bud. Mm-hmm. I've been to Harry Potter World. The Dementors. World of Ride. I, I have no clue. I mean, I can't quote it like Brady can, and I'm not in love with I didn't even you, know you, there you was gotta, a Harry Potter you, World. You, you got to remember the Office episode, Prison Mike. Yeah, oh yeah. When uh, Michael Scott's talking about, yes. oh, the Dementors are coming into the, like the jail area. Yeah, and trying I, don't, to get I don't know what he so was, that was talking that was, about. That was a Harry yeah. Potter <laughs> reference. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Prison Mike ever? is great alone. I didn't need to Wait know till the Turtle Harry gets Potter. A little, you'll, read, you'll read them to him. Oh, I don't know about that. You, <laughs> we'll see. They're good. They're, they're pretty I've good. I've heard. I've heard they're, they're good. They're good. But um, yeah, I like that bivy sack. I also like the uh, Alpine Ascent from Outdoor Research, which has the hood built into it. Uh, or the hoop, I should say. Um, there is like the Rab Ridge Raider, which is more of a bivy sack tent combo. It's got some poles that'll like keep it up over your head. That it's sounds like, like a mule deer assassin. Yeah, it's a pretty right. sick name, right? Ridge the Ridge Raider. Raider. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those are kind of, I would note those. Uh, I like the Red Cliff. I've had that one from Seek Outside for a really long time with the stove. Uh, I also have a Eolus, which is like a two-person floorless shelter from Seek Outside. I've got the Dyneema one. Pitch it with a couple trekking poles. That's typically what I use for a tarp now instead mm-hmm. of an actual like tarp tarp. Yeah. Um, as far as tarps goes, I've used the DST from Seek Outside. That's a nice tarp. It's a little bit heavy for a tarp, but it does offer you tons of coverage, and you can pitch that thing in a bunch of ways. Um, as far as like cheap tarps, like cheaper tarps, I should say, uh, I had a Rab Sill Tarp 2 for ages. And I've used that thing for covering meat caches. I've used it as a you know tent to sleep under, tarp, all kinds of stuff. So, so you're not going to Home Depot and getting a, a blue by, tarp? 10 by 20 blue tarp? <laughs> I've never, they're, they're too heavy, too heavy. What tarp did you have in New Mexico with us? Because you did that pitch that a, one night. Yeah, that was a Rab Sill tarp too. Yeah. And I, I had those, I've, I've had that for a long time. Actually, the guy- You had you and the cameraman underneath yeah, that. Yeah, me and the camera guy, yep. Yeah. yeah, I spent a lot of nights with the camera guy in that, that tarp. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when I went to Alaska on that moose hunt, I took that with me, and it was mostly just a pitch to sit under in glass if it was raining. And we ended up using that tarp to just cover meat and kind of keep the rain off of it. And mm-hmm. I left that with my buddy Steve in Alaska. He kept it. But that's a great tarp. They, they make a two and a three model. Uh, last couple options I would mention, one of the just like freestanding four-season tents I really like is the the Stone Glacier Skyscraper two-person. Um the center pole, so you've got the center pole, and then it goes out to the, the two corners, and you have a pole that, like, gives you the width of the mm-hmm. tent. That one's longer, so, like, when you're sitting inside that thing, the walls are more vertical on both sides, so it just feels like you have way more headroom. It is a little mm-hmm. bit heavy. It's, like, four and a half pounds, I think. So, you know, if you wanted to split that between two guys, you'd be comparable to a lot of other tents, but it is a four-season tent. It's really burly, and I like that tent quite a bit. Sick. Before I get into my choices, mm-hmm. can I ask you quick about the Sky Dome? Yeah. Oh, Cause I know, yeah. Cause I, cause I, yeah. Because I know you took down your caribou hunt. Yeah. And I think that's a really good shelter to talk about for a hunt style like that's that. That's probably one of my very favorite tents of all time is the Sky Dome from Stone Glacier. It's a six person tent. It's like your true expedition. It's like the tents that you see pitched at the bottom of Everest or something, yep. you know, at base camps. It's got, I don't know how many poles. So look good, hunt good. Yeah. I don't know how many poles that thing has. A lot. A lot. But it's got the, you know, it's a dome. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was our podcast studio for yeah, yeah podcast. <laughs> right. throw it back to yeah. the old days but that thing is actually pretty easy to pitch especially if you got a couple of guys but you got a ton of room it's got a big vestibule off the one side almost like a garage that you can store your gear and it does have a stove jack so you want to burn that thing with the stove i took it to colorado with my kid we you know burned stove and yep. so I, I love that tent price tag on it is definitely a setback but i mean in lieu of a wall tent you know, for like a late season base camp for mule deer and elk hunt or like an expedition style hunt, like a caribou hunt or a moose camp. It's awesome. Yeah. Can't be. I love that thing. Sweet. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. I remember yeah, that's a good plug. quite a bit. Good plug for a good tent. Yeah. Mine are you? pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Seacoast side Cimarron. The Cimarron. That's your go-to. That's my go-to. And I, you know, I did buy a, a different version last year. I bought the Dyneema one. I love Dyneema as everyone knows. So the Seacoast side Dyneema is great. Also, I didn't mention before, but you can also on some of these um, floorless shelters with the hot tent, you can, you know, attach some P-cord on the top, dry your stuff off really well, which is going to be great. You can throw some socks up there, some, throw some clothes, that sort of thing. So Cimarron is my go-to by far. Some of those early season stuff, you know, I might take the little bug out just because it's light and fast, different ways to set it up. I can set it up, you know, more open, like a tarp style, or I can zip the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then last year on a bear hunt i tested out a prototype of that uh, peak solitude and uh this year on my bear hunt i'm actually going to be taking that i was going to ask you so i'm giving up a little bit you know it's a little bit heavier than the dyneema so it is a little mm-hmm. bit weight um i really grown to enjoy it. it does take a little bit more time maybe to set up because again it's not that typical pyramid shape but it has you know a very unique guideline system where it's very solid <laughs> when you pitch it out and the really unique thing about that shelter too, I really like, I'm excited to try out again, is that cross trek stabilization that Peaks has. Yeah. So basically I can take two trekking poles, pitch it up at the top around the around the, where the stove jack would go to add a little bit extra stability in that shelter. So when you have those heavy wind situations or you have a bunch of rain, snowfall, that sort of thing, it's just going to add, you know, stability to your shelter by yeah. pitching that up. And then also I can throw boots up there. I can would be you nice. know, hang some clothes to dry it really easily. And I think that's just you know really unique feature when you come down to shelters that not a lot of people have, but it's a cool yeah. thought. Like you're already carrying trucking poles in there to hike, all right. And then, well, I'm not going to really hike around with them every day or my other friend. We can just use one trekking pole each. That's normally what I do when I hike around. So I can put my two poles up. He has a trek. He Omar will have trekking poles. We'll just use one while we're hunting, and then we pack out with heavy weight. Just well, make Omar pack all of it. Yeah, I really should. That's why I'm he start, already agreed to pack. That's why I'm starting. <laughs> I'm going to hunt with wherever he is. Twenty five years old, and we start yeah. hunting with twenty five year olds. Yeah, so is he twenty five? I don't know. Maybe twenty three. So, I think he's, he's so, like twenty two. Yeah. He's young, and he's, he's young, so eager to learn. Super we talked eager. him into because uh, he gets to learn from the great from Brady Miller. Miller. We talked him into carrying a lot of weight <laughs> for Brady. <laughs> So yeah, that's, uh, that's the shelter I'm going to use on this bear hunt. I, I will say, like, the, there's a lot. We have a lot of shelters. Like, if you're looking to go floorless, I mean, we have TPs from Argali. We've got Seek Outside. We've got uh, Peaks. We also have some uh, Big Agnes. And then, you know, Hyperlite. Diff- Hyperlite, different price points. You know, some yeah. of them weigh a little bit more. Some of them are different materials. I mean, Argali went with a, you know, a ripstop versus a sill nylon. So there's, yep. there's some differences in price point. A lot of them are very similar in design and structure, but yeah, I would just say cruise those and kind of find out what works for you and your price point. There's a lot of options, but like like I said, you'll find one that you like and yeah. love, and it's a big investment, so definitely do your research. That's why we did the Shelter Palooza video yeah. with, the, with the floorless. We did the Shelter Palooza with freestanding shelters. 
we have some other older like YouTube videos to check out about, you know, floorless setups, stoves, that sort of thing. And so like, there's a lot of options. Lorenzo, what do you like? I don't I don't have enough experience like you guys do. I honestly, I don't have one that's like, you know, a go-to by any means. My, my needs have always changed yeah. like crazy too. Cause I'm either, you know, like on my brother's hunt, we had so many people. My only option really was the, in space, right? Like we don't all want to be bunched up even though we're all family, but you know, well, like I don't, we don't want to be breathing on each other's neck while we're <laughs> yeah. trying to sleep. You're so not like that needs, close. You're yeah. Close, needs but changed not that close. there. And then like with you, the bivy, I mean, like, I mean, if I'm ever going on an elk hunting in dark timber again in the backcountry, that's for sure what I'm yeah. doing. Um, but I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have that experience like you guys do to like truly pick one, like go to thing, you know? Yeah. If you, if you're hunting a lot of different seasons, if you're, you know, hunting different weapons, different seasons, you almost have to have multiple shelters. Yeah. It's kind of like boots. That's what I've found myself. I've done so many different styles. It's it's always been like a different need, you know? Yep. Yep. Well, cool. You got questions about shelters? Drop them in the comments. Yeah. Drop them in the comments. Brady would love to to get back to you. Definitely. Well, <laughs> especially about floorless. I am, as everyone knows, very passionate about floorless and the benefits of it. And yeah. trail, trail is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to those early season no baby sack style hunts, chasing elk, running around the timber. You're, I mean, you're essentially going to be my decision maker for what I take on the stone sheep hunt. <laughs> Dude, I'll just put it that way. You have way. to take me with you. If you if I have to <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Deal. You're here first. Me Deal. and you're just laying back to back in a one man. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, you're the only guy I'd share with. How about that? <laughs> I'd snore too loud, keep you up. Oh, man. But yeah, the only closing thought I have is if you got a shelter and you got a new one, make sure you go out in your backyard, pitch it up, figure out, yeah, how, to you, figure out. how to use That's it. That's for sure. Get, get you, familiar you with it. You need to know how to yeah. use it because, like I said, you don't know if you're going to hike up there. It's going to be a rainstorm. It's going to be windy. Like, you guys all know the struggle of trying to put shelters together yeah. when in the wind. Well, the one thing we can absolutely guarantee is it's not going to be perfect nope. when you go to set it up on your actual hunt. So, yep. I mean, there you go. Yeah, we have a ton of options. Check out the, the gear shop. Um, you know, you got questions, reach out. And then like, like Brady said, check out Shelter Palooza on the YouTube channel. Shelter Palooza channel. a funny name. It is. I was and trying to think, Lala, names. it's from Lollapalooza, right? Lala, do you guys remember Lollapalooza? I, the only thing I can think of is Mitchapalooza from uh, old school, the movie Old School, <laughs> his <laughs> <Yeah>. divorce party. <laughs> yeah. We're all going streaking. Yeah. That's all and I can think about. <laughs> use, that, use that promo code podcast yeah. to uh, get, yeah, yourself, for sure. get yourself insider membership, get those points. You can use those points. To purchase new, gear in the gear shop. So buy you buy, buy something else, you're going to get points from that. And then you can use those points, you know, to purchase a shelter, purchase some gear, sleeping bag, pad, whatever yeah. it may be. So. Sick. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you.